Welcome to your Denver City Council. Please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, today's meeting is being interpreted into Spanish. Uh, Sam or Alejandro, would you please introduce yourself and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices? Yes, thank you for having us today. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Guzman with the CLC, and along with my colleague Alejandro, we will be interpreting today's meeting into Spanish. I'll now give the instructions in Spanish on how to access interpretation. Buenas tardes a todos. Mi nombre es Samuel Guzmán con la CLC. Y juntamente con mi colega Alejandro, estaremos interpretando la reunión de hoy al español. Si desea escuchar uh, la reunión en español a través de Zoom, simplemente vaya a su pantalla y busque el icono de globo que dice Interpretación y de ahí seleccione el idioma español. Muchas gracias and thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sam. Welcome to the Denver City Council meeting of Monday, December 4th. Uh, council members, please rise as you're able and join Councilman Cashman in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. Indivisible, liberty, justice for all. Thank you, everyone. And council members, please join Councilman Cashman as he leads us in the Denver City Council land acknowledgement. Uh, the Denver City Council honors and acknowledges that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. We honor elders past, present, and future, and those who have stewarded this land throughout generations. We also recognize that government, academic, and cultural institutions were founded upon and continue to enact exclusions and erasures of indigenous peoples. May this acknowledgement demonstrate a commitment to working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression and inequities and recognize the current and future contributions of indigenous communities in Denver. Thank you very much. Uh, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Here. Alvitras? Here. Flynn? Here. Gilmore? Here. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Here. Hines? Here. Cashman? Here. Lewis? Present. Parody? Here. Romero Campbell? Here. Sandoval? Here. So, it, oh, Watson? Here. Madam President? Here. 13 members present. There are 13 members present. Council has a quorum. Approval of the minutes. Are there any corrections to the minutes of November 27th? Seeing none, the minutes stand approved. Council announcements. Are there any announcements today? 
give folks a second to chime in. Uh, while we're waiting for that, um, I will announce uh, we will not be holding our emergency response working group tomorrow. We will hold it next week. We will not be in 391 for that. We will be in Har Widener. So just to switch on where we'll be for our working group. Um, and uh, for that session, we'll be hearing a presentation about the actual move-in plan um, for many of our uh, micro communities and hotels. Um, seeing folks in the queue, Councilwoman Lewis. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I just have one quick announcement. Uh, myself, um, Councilman Watson, um, Council Member Parity, and Council Member, Member Gonzalez Gutierrez will all be co-hosting um, the 40th annual Hiawatha Davis Jr. Senior Luncheon uh, this Friday from 11 um, a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, it doors will open at um, 10.30. Oh, and Councilwoman Gilmore, I do apologize. I'm so sorry. I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, and Councilwoman Gilmore, um, it's the 40th annual. It is returning to um, the Double Tree on Quebec, and folks are really excited for it. So, if you'd like to volunteer, and if you're welcome to, um, or if you'd like to attend, or if you'd like to extend the invitation, we'd love to see you. We're very excited about it. Thank you very Thank much. You. Councilwoman Romero Campbell. Thank you, Council President. Um, I have two quick announcements. One, I just want to say thank you to um, all of the seniors that came to the senior luncheon last Wednesday. We had a tremendous turnout um, and uh, just really wanted to thank them all. We will be doing it again next year. Uh, the second announcement is that we have a community information meeting uh, for general public about the family shelter um, at the Embassy Suites. Um, regarding the embassy suites, the meeting will be at Hamilton Middle School at 10 a.m. on Saturday, uh, December 16th, and that is the community information meeting, and I would just invite all of um, the District 4 residents that want to come and learn more um, about the shelter uh, to come to that meeting, and also that we have a number of um, community residents who have been distributing or have been uh, bringing by donations for the shelter. We put out a call um, to action for uh, donations. And so thank you to everyone who has dropped by and has dropped off um, a tremendous amount of, uh, of things that will be used for the shelter. So thank you. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Councilwoman Alvides. Thank you, Council President. I have a couple of announcements. One is that tomorrow, December 5th, from 4.30 to 6.30, Denver Parks will be at Table Public House in District 7 to talk about the urban forestry plan and how we can improve the tree canopy um, in the district. And then I also would like to say that this weekend on the 9th and 10th of December, that there will be an arts and crafts holiday market led by indigenous people at the Four Winds American Indian Council, which is in the Baker neighborhood. To find out more information, you can check out our social media. And lastly, there's also some holiday shopping on Pearl Street Market. There's a little passbook, and if you get enough stamps, you get entered to win like $300. And if you're looking for a really unique local gift, um, South Pearl Street is definitely a good place to go. Thank you. Thank you, Council President. Thank you. Councilman Romero Campbell, you back up. Okay, thank you, Council President. One last thing, there is Donuts with the Grinch at uh, this Saturday um, at Eisenhower Rec Center. My apologies for not saying something, um, but at 10 a.m. to 12 uh, p.m., you can come and have donuts with the Grinch, take a picture, um, and it's open to all families. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. That's not a pseudonym for somebody, right? <laughs> um, all right, seeing no one else in queue, um, there are no presentations, there are no communications. 
Um, we do have three proclamations to be read this afternoon. Councilman Watson, will you please read our first, uh, 23-1890. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, proclamation number 23-1890, celebrating Project Angel Heart's 10th millionth meal. Um, whereas, yes, you can clap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, whereas Project Angel Heart was founded in Denver in the fall of 1991, when a group of neighbors, as an act of compassion and love, delivered hot meals to people living with HIV AIDS in their community. And whereas, since that first delivery, Project Angel Heart has grown thanks to the compassion and generosity of Denverites moving from their first kitchen in the basement of St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Capitol Hill to their current home in the Globeville neighborhood of Denver. And recognizing the need and demand for nutritious food across all serious illnesses has expanded their mission to include people living with diagnoses such as cancer, heart, kidney, lung disease, and dementia. dementia. And whereas each week, Project Project Angel Hearts professional chefs and registered dietitians now prepare thousands of delicious medically tailored meals that are packaged and delivered by thousands of local volunteers to homes across Colorado. And whereas nutrition is a key factor in maintaining good health and dec decreasing the prevalence of chronic disease. And Project Angel Heart addresses the significant challenge that many ill Coloradoans face. Getting the appropriate nutrition they need to get stronger, heal and remain independent at home. And whereas December 1st, 2023, marks the 35th annual World AIDS Day, which serves as a reminder of the global struggle to end HIV related stigma. An opportunity to honor those we have lost and a rallying cry to commit to working toward a day when HIV is no longer a public health threat. And whereas on December 7th, 2023, 32 years after serving their first meal to a group of neighbors living with HIV in the city of Denver, Project Angel Heart will prepare and deliver its 10 millionth meal. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the council of the city and county of Denver. I can't see through my tears. <laughs> Section one, that the council of the city and county of Denver recognizes and honors the 32 year history and contributions of Project Angel Heart to the city of Denver and Colorado. And so, <laughs> That's awesome. And celebrates the preparation and delivery of their 10 millionth meal. Section two, the clerk of the city and county of Denver shall affix the seal of the city and county of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to Project Angel Heart. Thank you, Councilman Watson. 
um, your motion to adopt. Madam President, I move that Proclamation 231890 be adopted. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. We'll take comments before we vote. And we'll start with Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Madam President. Uh, Project Angel Heart is the Rocky Mountains region expert in food as medicine and providing medically tailored meals. Their purpose is for all Coloradans living with severe illnesses to have access to nutritious food that supports their health and their well being. They, we provide this proclamation tonight as we commemorate, as I stated earlier, the 35th anniversary of World AIDS Day. Uh, I remember back in uh, 1993 when I came out of the closet, uh, I was living in Omaha, Nebraska and was a member of the Citizens for Equal Protection. I held my first fundraiser as a queer man for the Franciscan Mother House, a safe space and home that served primarily cisgendered men dying from AIDS, not living, not coping, but dying uh, from AIDS. The number one item that the Franciscans and guests asked for was funds to purchase healthier foods, not just non-perishable canned food that filled their pantry. There was no Project Angel Heart in Omaha at that time. Your impact, as I look at each and every one of you in the audience here tonight, and the thousands and thousands of you at home, um, has been immense. I spoke with a constituent last Wednesday who shared with me how your meal sustained her husband as he was fighting cancer. I remember as a cancer survivor, the struggle my husband had preparing meals for me that I could digest to sustain me during chemo. It was not easy for him. Each meal, the 10th millionth uh, plus of them, is a story of hope and redemption. To you, Owen Ryan, angel among us, <laughs> Uh, Nick Sochi, your entire staff, including your chefs, and the thousands of volunteers over the years, we thank you for the lives saved and the hope restored, not just for the individuals battling serious illness, illnesses, but the caregivers, the families, and friends that you and your team provide relief, if only for a moment, so that they can catch their breath. Thank you for being our angels, and for your continued service to our communities. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilwoman. <laughs> Councilwoman Parody. Yeah, I just um, wanted to relay a little Project Angel Heart story. I have a couple of close friends who have been in Denver longer than I have and have been volunteering with Project Angel Heart for um, at least that length of time. Um, and one of them said something to me about how she was going through a period of depression and how um, just getting kind of out of her house and out of her shell and um, going and driving the route and delivering meals was part of what helped her break out of that. And it's a simple little observation, but I think it's really true. Like we, um, we have a little bit of a loneliness epidemic in the country. I think that's doubly true for people that are chronically ill um, or having trouble getting out of their houses. Um, but it's equally as valuable, like that community building, the fact that you guys are um, so reliant on those volunteer hours and that that's um, why you've been able to have this huge impact over the years is that so many people give their time um, is because they're getting something from that. They're getting that human connection um, right down to like people decorating the bags for the meals. My daughter has done that in the past. Um, when I visited Project Angel Heart recently, um, you all told me a story about 
a person who received meals and had um, decorated the walls of his um, hospital room, I think, with the bags. Um, so just beautiful work that you all do. Want to thank you. So glad you're here tonight. And thanks, Councilman Watson, for bringing the proclamation. Thank you very much. Councilman Cashman. Yeah, thank you, uh, Madam President. Um, my, my thanks to Councilman Watson for bringing this proclamation forward and for your heartfelt reading of that proclamation. It touched me indeed. Um, before I was elected to council for a lot of years, I uh, published a South Denver newspaper called Washington Park Profile that covered the University of Denver area. And I remember the early uh, press releases we'd get on the founding of Project Angel Heart and the good work that was being done. In my 36 years publishing that newspaper, I only received one threatening letter. And it was about a very benign calendar listing I printed that the AIDS Memorial quilt was going to be on display at the University of Denver. It was not a political diatribe. It was not a strong uh, statement of people's rights. It was a simple calendar listing. I got this hateful letter. Um, and I remember it ended with beware the fox and the bush. And I still have that in my collection. So to be sitting here all these years later with, with these proud folks in, in, in their red t-shirts and knowing the millions and millions and millions of life-saving and heart-building meals that have been served, it just uh, uh, a profoundly uh, meaningful moment for me. And I thank you all for the good work that you do. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Um, Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Sawyer? Alvidrez? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 23-1890 has been adopted. Councilman Watson, we have uh, time for proclamation acceptance. If you'd like to invite somebody up. Yes, I first I want to recognize uh, Brad Clark is here from the Gill Foundation. Brad, great to see you. Thank you for being here. I believe Sophia Sexton is here as well. Sophia, if you're here uh, from the Ventura, Florida, Rockland uh, fundraising that you've done over the years for Hello, hello. There you go. All right. So I want to say Brad Clark with the Gill Foundation is here. Thank you, Brad, for being here. Sophia Sexton from the Imperial Court of the Rocky Mountain Empire. Thank you for your fundraising for decades, um, raising uh, funds and saving lives across our city. And Anthony Aragon, a community member and leader um, in this work. Um, um, I, I would like to ask for folks from the um, uh, Project Angel Heart to please come forward. Owen, do you mind coming forward? And anyone else from your team um, that would like to make a, a few brief remarks? Sure, thank you. Um, uh, Madam President, Council Member Watson, Council Members, thank you for this today. This is a huge endorsement of our work. 
all of you joined the city council because of your belief that individuals coming together can make a change in our city and in our state and our country. And that is what our organization attempts every single day by delivering meals free of cost to thousands of Coloradans living with severe illness, dealing with the stigma and shame and quiet that can often come with that. The folks behind me in the red t-shirts are just a percentage of the thousands of volunteers every single year who give 70,000 hours of their time to make sure that carrots are chopped, meals are dished up, meals are packaged, bags are decorated, and they end up at someone's front door every single week. We, our office is flooded with thank you notes, so this is my way of say, saying thank you to all of you for everything you do to support our organization. We could not do this without our partnership with the city of Denver. The bags you have in front of you, that hot chocolate is made from scratch in our kitchen in Globeville. It is just a symbol of the comfort we're delivering to you is the comfort we deliver to people's homes every week. We are tremendously grateful for this recognition. Thank you for support. Thank you, Councilmember. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilman Watson. Um, Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez and I um, will jointly read Proclamation 23-1903. Uh, Proclamation number 23-1903, uh, honoring the life of Lucille Roybal Rivera. Whereas Lucille Roybal Rivera was a revered pillar of the community in Denver, and whereas she felt it was her purpose in life to be a servant and was honored and humbled to serve her community. And whereas she co-founded Clinica Tepeyac to care for medically, medically underserved communities, worked to help it thrive and grow and joined its board of directors eventually serving as its chair. And whereas Lucille contributed years of work to Denver Health, serving as a clinic administrator and rising to being appointed to the board of directors of Denver Health's Community Health Services in 2010, and whereas she served the Chicano Humanities and Arts Council in many ways, from artist to vice chair of the board to executive director, and whereas she was a board member at the North Glen Arts and Humanities Foundation and a talented photographer, and whereas she manifested self-determination and was able to see the possibilities of what it means to be a people of woven ancestry and heritage, of what beautiful things can be created in the world. And whereas she leaves behind an incredible legacy of service, healthcare, music, art, family, and most of all, love. And whereas she will, re will remain in the hearts of her three children, eight grandchildren, and 12 grandchildren, as well as all of those lucky enough to have been loved by her. And whereas her positive impact on the Denver metro area will be felt in community for years to come from both her work and the work of the numerous people she nurtured, mentored, and inspired. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Council of the City and County of Denver, section one, that the Council of the City and County of Denver remember and honor Lucille uh, Rivel Rivera for all of her contributions to the to Denver 
and section two, that the clerk of the city and county of Denver shall affix the seal of the city and county of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to the family. Thank you very much. And it's been. Mm -hmm. That has been moved and seconded. Uh, we'll do comments first before we vote. And we'll start with Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, uh, Council President. I want to um, first start by honoring and recognizing um, Lucille's family that are here joining us today um, in these first rows up here. I want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, I also want to thank for uh, any community members that have also joined us, those that um, were touched by Lucille. Um, while she was here with us. Lucille was an amazing person in the Denver community. I lose count of the amount of times that she showed up for others, volunteering her time and energy in so many ways. My cousin, Lucille, will be remembered for the way that she lived her life, the nourishing environment she provided both in the healthcare industry and in the art community promoting Chicano artists in their journey, in their journey to gaining recognition and gallery exposure through Chalk, the Chicano Humanities and Arts Council Gallery. I will always remember the beautiful energy that she surrounded herself in and appreciate what she left in her legacy, her family, her love for community. I wanted to quote somebody, um, you know, there were many articles that came out about um, Lucille upon her passing and it was untimely. And I hope that we can celebrate her life and the life that she lived because she was one of the most beautiful people that I have known. And I'm, I'm proud to be able to say that I'm part of her family um, and get to be here with you all today. Um, but I'm quoting Jim Garcia, who I see in the audience, um, CEO of Tapayek Community Health Center. This is an organization, organization that she helped um, start. When she found a cause that she was passionate about, she just put her whole heart and soul into that work. And I think that that is purely evident, um, not only for work, but for her family. Um, the last thing that I'll say is that there are services this Friday for Lucille at 10 a.m. at the Latina Funerals and Cremations uh, located at 3020 Federal Boulevard. And then there is a celebration of life, Salud, Vida y Amor at the Studio Loft at Ellie Calkins Opera House um, also on Friday, uh, the December 8th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And I know that the family would love to have um, members of the community and other family members uh, join us in those events. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilwoman Parody. I have just the tiniest little comment, which is that one of the experiences of being on this council, I've, I'm a relative newcomer to Denver. I'm not lucky enough to have the really deep roots in our community that I think almost everybody else up here has. Um, and I constantly like learn about the legacies of the families and neighborhoods that you all come from. So. Um, Councilmember Gonzalez Gutierrez, I had no idea that um, that Ms. Rivera was the founder of Clinica Tepeyac, but I do know that my daughter, when she started at DPS, um, got seen for dental work at school, 
with all her classmates um, by Kunika, and that was amazing to me, and now I know a little more about it, so thank you all. Thank you. Councilwoman Romero-Campbell. Thank you, Council President. Um, I just, what a powerhouse of a woman. And I think it, it is tremendous. And thank you for bringing um, Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez and Council President Torres this proclamation forward because I think to be able to honor the life of somebody who is a pillar and an inspiration and somebody who is just, I think we were talking about it earlier, you know, just such a backbone of strength um, is tremendous. Um, I did have the honor of working with your mom and also alongside with uh, Jim Garcia and Gloria, you're here as well, and so is Sophia. But I just, I did have the honor of working with your mom and she was just solid, a person to always bring a voice of reason um, and to bring a lot of reason to crazy conversations, um, but just really a tremendous, um, a tremendous woman. So thank you so much for bringing this proclamation forward. Your words were beautiful. And um, thank you to the family that's here. I can, you see the strength and the love and the, and just genuine, the genuine kindness. And so um, thank you, council president. Thank you very much. Um, it was an honor to co-sponsor this, but this is um, written on behalf of all 13 of us here. Very quickly, um, she built things. <laughs> she built things that meant something to her in her life that will stay to mean something to future generations of this city. And for that, her family and everyone who loved her should feel very proud of how deeply she committed she was and that she was able to produce things um, that had permanence. Her influence in photography, in art, in health, community, and love will never be forgotten. Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Aye. Alvidras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Have the secretary close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 23-1903 has been adopted. Thank you all for being here. Um, Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez, would you like to invite someone up to accept the proclamation? Yes, Madam President, I'd like to invite um, one of Lucille's sons, uh, True Apodaca, up. And if there's any family members that would like to stand with him, please feel free to, to join him.
Thank you, Madam President. And thank you to you and Councilmember Gonzalez Gutierrez for sponsoring this proclamation, but thank you to the entire council for having us here today. My name is True Apodaca Cobell. I'm Lucille Rubel Rivera's youngest son. I am deeply honored and grateful to accept this proclamation that celebrates the extraordinary life of our mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. A remarkable photographer, passionate healthcare advocate, and strong community leader, today our family is gathered here to commemorate her immense contributions and the indelible impact that she made on our city and its people. I extend my heartfelt appreciation to the entire council for bestowing the recognition of my mother. Your acknowledgement of her remarkable achievement and achievements fills our hearts with pride and gratitude. This proclamation serves as a testament to her unwavering dedication and the lasting legacy she leaves behind. Our mother was a passionate advocate for accessible and equitable health care. She recognized that good health care is not only a basic human right, but also the foundation for individuals to reach their fullest potential. Through her work at Clinica Tepeyac in Denver Health, she championed the cause of affordable health care, tirelessly working to close the gaps in access and quality of care. Her dedication to improving with the well-being of others will forever be remembered as a shining example of compassion and empathy. Our mother had an extraordinary talent for capturing the essence of life through the lens of her camera. Her, her photographs were windows into the world, telling stories and evoking emotions that words often fail to express. Through her work at Ch the Chicano Humanities and Arts Council, Chuck, she invested in, in, in many artists and insisted that through the good times and the bad, that Chicano artists continue to tell their stories. Beyond her artistic endeavors, my mother was also a beacon of leadership, both in our family and in the community. She understood the importance of empowering and uniting people from all backgrounds. Through her tireless efforts, she fostered connections, built bridges, and created spaces where individuals felt seen, heard, and valued. Her leadership inspired others to embrace their own unique voices, fueling a sense of belonging and community engagement that will resonate for generations to come. She taught me everything I know. As we accept the proclamation today, let us celebrate the life of Lucille and also reflect on the values she embodied. Let it serve as a reminder to each of us to hold the power to make a difference to leave an enduring impact on our community. May her passion, empathy, love, and leadership guide us as we build bridges and foster unity, and may her advocacy motivate us to fight for a compassionate future that we all deserve. My deepest gratitude to you all. Thank you. Thank you, True. And um, Councilwoman Lewis, um, would you please read our next proclamation, uh, Proclamation 23-1904. Yes, thank you, um, Madam President. Um, the proclamation honoring the memory of Patricia Pat Houston. Whereas Patricia Pat Houston, founder and executive director of Especially Me, made immeasurable contributions to Denver youth by providing a nurturing environment for black girls and young women to come together and learn to recognize their self-worth. 
affirm their dignity and strive for excellence from within. And we're asked through her leadership, Pat helped to shape and mold the lives of more than 15,000 young women framed by the philosophy, the price of dignity and the standard of excellence, giving each of them the tools to grow into confident, strong, talented and proud women. And whereas Pat's advocacy efforts passed on a legacy and importance of education and helped many of these girls and women earn scholarships and recognition for academic and community excellence. And whereas Pat was not only the matriarch of the Houston family, she also served as a mentor and motherly figure and a pillar to the black community. And whereas Pat's untimely passing earlier this year has been a huge loss to the Denver community and her presence will be missed. Though her profound impact on the city and county of Denver will be felt for generations to come. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Council of the City and County of Denver that the Council of the City and County of Denver proclaims December 7th, 2023 as Patricia Pat Houston Day, honoring and recognizing a lifetime of service to the Denver community, particularly for her dedication to uplift black girls and young women across Denver. That the clerk of the City and County of Denver shall affix the seal of the City and County of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to the children and grandchildren of Patricia Pat Houston. Thank you, Councilwoman Lewis. Your motion to adopt? I move um, for the adoption of Proclamation 23-1904. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. We'll take comments before we vote. Councilwoman Lewis? Um, yeah, I'd just like to say a few words. Um, Pat Houston is, is a name I remember fondly. In case you're wondering why we chose December 7th to be the day of Pat's, it's a simple, beautiful one. December 7th would have been Pat's birthday. It's absolutely fabulous to see so many of her children and grandchildren in the chambers today. Pat often said first and foremost that the greatest part of her story is her four children and seven grandchildren. And as a mother, I can absolutely understand the pride we hold seeing the next generation follow the legacy we've led, surpassing even an accomplished woman's wildest dreams. As the founder and executive director of Especially Me, Pat's goal was to continue providing a platform for young women to learn to trust their guts and to understand right from wrong. Their motto, the true light shines from within, helps to serve as a guide for the organization. Especially me is fueled by the power of volunteers, community women, and college mentors alike who are willing to share their wisdom and experiences, and it's obviously crafted after Pat's legacy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Aye. Alvidrez? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 23-1904 has been adopted.
Councilwoman Lewis, um, we have time for acceptance. If you'd like to invite someone up to accept the proclamation. Yes, please. I'd like to call up Polika um, and the family. You may also come to surround him if you like. Thank you. Madam President, City Council, thank you for this recognition of our mother, Patricia Lee Houston, Councilwoman Lewis. We want to thank you personally for your tireless work in our community and for spearheading this proclamation for our mother. In addition, we'd like to thank Youth Violence Prevention Manager Felicia Rodriguez. Um, I am joined today by my father, Herman Houston, my brothers and my sister Lavelle, Marcus, and Nicole, her husband Brian, my aunt Cheryl, and six of the seven grandchildren. To say that joining you all today as a warm welcome to the month of December would be an understatement. Councilwoman Lewis, we understand that you intentionally made a point to announce this proclamation for our mother days before her birthday on December 7th. Please know that we will forever be grateful, and we know that Patricia, or as many call her mama face, is smiling from the heavens. To know Patricia Houston was to know a trailblazer among trailblazers. Despite the accolades and moments of being first, she was humble, gentle, and politely demanding. Her nearly quarter of a century of work with African-American girls in our community through her especially me nonprofit has left a legacy that has empowered young girls to love themselves or as Michelle Obama describes as putting ourselves higher on our own to-do list. Mm -hmm. Patricia Lee Houston had a special way of communicating to young people. She came across that you are enough and you can do better. Her prescriptive way of providing a digestible message was an art that propelled others into a better place than when they started. Education is a cornerstone in our family, and prior to our mother graduating to heaven, she actively embraced the multiple post-secondary pathways available to young people and ways that especially me could honor those pursuing college and those who chose to pursue a career or trade. I am reminded by a quote from Councilwoman Lewis during her days as the RTD director for District B. When speaking about transportation, and you said, let's build a city where people have all the safe and effective mobility options they need. Our community learned a lot from Mama Face. I was reminded by this when a DPS teacher stopped me the other day when I was in New Orleans for the National Association of Black School Educators Conference. And she told me that, especially me, changed the trajectory of her life. For a couple of weeks ago, when a friend sent a picture of our mother on her family's Dia de los Muertos mm -hmm. altar, her impact was amazing and we will forever cherish her past and her presence. Again, thank you all for making this possible and a special thank you. We love you, Mama Face. Thank you.
Thank you, everyone. I can't help but feel really overwhelmed at um, the power and love um, in this room. So thank you all for helping us um, share this time with you and share this moment and um, the dedication that these amazing women um, and our amazing organizations uh, do in this Denver community is uh, really something to be in awe of. So thank you all for being here. Um, Madam Secretary, please read the bills for introduction. From the Finance and Governance Committee 23-1802, a bill for an ordinance making a rescission from completed or deferred capital improvement projects. 23-1803, a bill for an ordinance making a rescission from general fund contingency and making appropriations to agency general fund budgets, special revenue funds and authorizing cash transfers. 23-1804, a bill for an ordinance making rescissions from the general fund and making appropriations in the general fund to make a cash transfer to the affordable housing special revenue fund. 23-1805, a bill for an ordinance making a rescission appropriation and a cash transfer from Denver Human Services Special Revenue Fund to the Border Crisis Response Special Revenue Fund. From the Land, Use, Transportation, and Infrastructure Committee, 23-1715, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 2040 North Ash Street in South Park Hill. 23-1722, a bill for an ordinance amending Article 2, Chapter 10, Buildings and Building Regulations concerning Denver Construction Codes. From the Safety, Housing, Education, and Homelessness Committee, 23-1783, a bill for an ordinance approving a proposed amendatory agreement between the City and County of Denver and Denver Health and Hospital Authority to continue connecting 911 callers with low acuity medical complaints with Denver Health Nurse Line as an alternative to receiving ambulatory care citywide. Thank you very much. Um, and just for our audience, um, we have a lot of boring stuff to come next. You are more than welcome to stay. You can also probably meet your sponsor of your proclamation in the hallway. Thank you all. <laughs> um, it's okay, I got it, yeah. Um, council members, this is your last opportunity to call out an item. Uh, Councilman Cashman, will you make the motions for us tonight? Yes, Council President. I'll do a recap under resolutions. Councilwoman Sawyer has called out resolution 1784 for a vote. Uh, Councilwoman Parody has called out resolution 1819 for questions and comments. Under bills for introduction, Councilman Flynn has called out Council Bill 1804 for an amendment. And under bills for final consideration, Councilman Watson has called out uh, Council Bill 18, excuse me, 1484 to postpone. And Councilwoman Sandoval has called out Council Bill 1485 to postpone. Under pending, no items have been called out. Madam Secretary, will you put the first item on our screens? This is um, Resolution 1784, an agreement between the City of Denver and the Remy Corporation. Um, Councilman Cashman, will you please put Resolution 1784 on the floor for adoption? Yes, I move that Council Resolution 23-1784 be adopted. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of Council. Councilwoman Sawyer. 
Thank you, Madam President. Um, so for the last three years, I have been calling out on-call contracts um, that are done uh, by the, executed by the city of Denver with the purpose of um, having available contractors and available dollars when something comes up um, that is an immediate need. Our contracting process is cumbersome and long. Um, and so as a city, we often need um, on-call contracts in order to be able to ensure that work gets done quickly when needed. Um, but that does not absolve the city uh, management of reporting on those, the use of those dollars and the use of those contractors to city council. We have a charter duty to oversee um, the dollars that are being spent in, in our city. Um, those are our constituents tax dollars that are being spent. And so for the last three years, I have voted no on on-call contracts um, across the board. And I, I'm really grateful to the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure and the airport and to um, Parks and Rec in particular. They are the three agencies that have been very rece receptive and responsive to my concerns about the back-end reporting on the use of these on-call contracts. Um, unfortunately, other city agencies have not been as receptive or as responsive. Um, so this is an on-call contract with tech services, and I will be a no tonight. Thanks. Thank you. Madam Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 23-1784. Sawyer? No. Alvides? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Hines? No. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President Madam President Pro Tem? Aye. Madam President? Seven ayes, two nays. Thank you. The motion passes. Seven ayes, two nays. Madam Secretary, please put the next bill on our screens. Twenty-three nineteen, a resolution of city council consenting to the mayor's appointment of Philip Washington as the manager of aviation. Council member Parity, please go ahead with your comments on re council resolution 1819. Thank you, Madam Pro Tem. Um, I, I wanted to just take a moment because um, learning more about the airport and the role that it plays in our city has been a big learning curve as a new council member. Um, and I really, I can't overstate um, 
especially the importance that it plays in our employment environments and our and our workforces, um, and also around climate and sustainability. Um, and as I've learned more about the airport's role in both of those things, um, it's been a lot of really positive information. Um, so I appreciate that leadership a lot, um, and and wanted to take a moment and say that on the record so that you know that um, that it's appreciated, that it matters to your elected officials. Um, in particular, some of the work that you've done with buyout enterprises to um, find employment for people that are leaving incarceration. Um, that's such a problem in the city. Um, the work that you're doing to stand up the new Center for Excellence and Equity in Aviation, um, again, a huge workforce need. Um, and then the sustainability work, the move towards using solar, um, the fact that the airport even has explored alternate jet fuels. Um, those things are, are existential um, and airports play a huge role in that. So I'm proud that we have an airport that's a leader. Um, I also wanted to just take a moment to comment that um, I also know the airport has had a really strong history of treating the labor unions that have a presence out there as partners, um, meeting with them routinely, um, and just want to make sure that that continues under the new mayoral administration um, and the ongoing DEN leadership. And that's it. I don't really have questions. Just wanted to make those comments tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilman Hines. Thank you, Council President. Director Washington, um, as soon as I heard that the our mayor was um, putting your name forward, I was already immediately on the record saying that I was uh, uh, very happy to vote yes um, because of all the things that Council Member Parity had mentioned. Um, and, and then also, uh, in addition to that long laundry list, I'll add that, um, uh, that Den is working on um, reclaiming de-icing uh, uh, material as well so that, um, so that that doesn't enter our, uh, our um, our planet's stream. So uh, I want to thank you for all of that. But she's talking about a lot of the social justice and environmental justice um, items she hasn't mentioned yet. Um, so I'll do it that we now have the third busiest airport in the world. And, um, and this is multi year, it's not like it was a blip or an anomaly. We um, have for multiple years now been the third busiest airport in the world. And um, given our land, uh, mass or, or square mileage. It's really measured in square miles. It gives us the opportunity to continue to grow and, um, and add up to 12 runways. So uh, as we have a lot of runways, so to speak, to, uh, to really uh, become the second or, or, or busiest airport in the world. And, um, and I recognize that, um, that, that a lot of that uh, takes a lot of planning and leadership. And I wanna thank you for all of that. It takes a lot of money too. Um, and I would compliment from a financial perspective that you're doing better debt management than, uh, than a lot of the other airports. Um, you know, the debt uh, portfolio that we have here in Den is smaller than sometimes by an order of magnitude, uh, smaller than some of the other large airports uh, in, in the U.S. and in the nation. So uh, we've got finance, we've got um, social and environmental justice, we've got business and and uh and economic strength and all that's because of you so i'm a very excited yes thank you councilman Hines. councilman alvidres thank you council president and um i just want to also thank you for being here and Thank you for all the work, great work that you've done, Mr. Washington, out at the airport. I think that when I look at, from my perspective and my background, a lot of the small businesses that have gotten contracts out there that have may not otherwise get that chance 
that that's what the airport has done really well at is um, getting that equity, getting those small businesses opportunities, whether it's concessionaires or people doing construction. And I'm so excited um, about the new facility for equity. I think a lot of people ask, what is that? Why does the airport need an equity facility? And I can understand why people might not understand it when you look at the historical nature of being able to become a pilot being able to work at the airport. And these are great jobs that um, a lot of people may just think are out of their reach. And what this facility will do is really make that uh, reachable and have a space to go say, hey, I wanna work at the airport. What are the opportunities? This is my skill set. where do I need to learn? And I think that that is what makes our airport great. Um, and I know that you care so much about equity and diversity and inclusion and running a great airport. I know you and I have had some great conversations around um, the customer base. I was really impressed that you reached out to TSA to make sure that they're also doing their part so we can get people through these long lines and looking at the train um, problems and all of the, the structural customer service aspects that need to do better. And I know that you're on top of it and committed to making sure that that's better. Um, I know you received an email that <coughs> I sent out this weekend and about the migrant situation. And I think that I sent that to our administration just to make sure that you all are getting the information from us as the city that you need to support um, the airlines and so that they know what to do in case um, they do receive uh, migrants on the airplane that don't know what to do. The only one thing that I did ask, which is a small uh, thing is that uh, if we could get some Spanish wayfinding, I think that would go a long way. And I know that that's along with your mission. So um, as a Spanish speaking person and someone that has a lot of Spanish speaking family members, I know that it would go a long way, not just for migrants arriving, but for people that are at the airport on a daily basis. Um, so I wanna just thank you for that work. I'm a strong yes, because I know you are committed to making um, our customer service better and you are committed to making the most, I think what makes a great airport isn't just that it functions well and people can get from point A to point B, but I think what um, former Mayor Pena had envisioned and started off and Webb you know, kept up and Hancock kept up was how are we going to use this to help our people too, to help the people that can't afford to go out of town, but maybe can get a job there or can uh, get a business opportunity there. So thank you so much for making our airport great and I look forward to uh, as long as you're here with us at Den. <laughs> Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Um, seeing no one else in queue, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens, uh, Bill 1804, um, uh, making rescissions from the general fund. Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1804 on the floor for publication? Yes, I move that Council Bill 23-1804 be ordered published. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Councilman Flynn, you have a motion to amend? Um, yeah, Madam President, thank you. Uh, I move to amend Council Bill 23-1804 as follows. On page one in the table, directly following line 23, in the column titled Amount Appropriated, Strike Appropriated, and replace with rescinded. On page two, in the continuation of the table, directly following page one, line 23 in the column titled, amount appropriated, strike appropriated, and replace with rescinded. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council on the amendment. Councilman Flynn. Uh, thank you, Madam President. I recall you, 
you said that to some of the folks in the audience that some of our work is boring. This is the exciting part right here. <laughs> this really is because otherwise this $5 million would have gone somewhere else. Uh, a drafting error on this bill. Uh, we meant to rescind the $5 million from these various funds and then appropriate them to the Affordable Housing Fund for the, uh, uh, the uh, rental assistance program. This was part of our, our budget negotiations. And when I was reading it over the weekend, I thought, first of all, I thought, that, that can't be right. <laughs> Can it? <laughs> no. So I sent off a couple of, of emails, and sure enough, uh, we do need to make that slight correction so the $5 million goes to where we want it. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you for doing that. Councilwoman Parody. Oh, I just was going to um, thank you, Councilman Flynn. Um, I see Stephanie Adams from the Budget Office nodding. Um, Stephanie, do you want to formally come to the mic and tell us that you're in agreement that we need to do this? <laughs> thank you. Adams Adams, Budget and Management Director. Uh, thank you, Councilman Flynn. Apparently, we'll be sending our ordinances to Councilman Flynn for review. <laughs> really great catch. I apologize. As you may remember, we uh, put through quite a few ordinances, so I apologize for, for that mistake. It, it should be rescinding $5 million from general fund and appropriating those dollars so that we could support True Office. Thank you, Councilman. Thank you. That, that was very exciting. <laughs> thank you very much. That all, Councilman Verdi. You're good. Sorry, yeah, that was okay. it. Thank you, Madam President. <laughs> Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Council President. I just want to say to, to Councilmember Flynn, my gosh, I am so, <laughs> holy mackerel, I'm so glad you caught that. That is fantastic. And uh, thank you so much, Stephanie, for accepting that change. But thank you. I just want to say thank you to Councilmember Flynn for reading over the weekend and finding that. That's a good save. No more, uh, Council thank President. Thank you very much. Uh, seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call, please, on the amendment to Council Bill 1804. Sawyer? Aye. Alvidres? Aye. Flynn? Nay, I mean aye. <laughs> Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President. Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1804 has been amended. Now, Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1804 on the floor for publication? Yes, I move that Council Bill 23-1804 be ordered published as amended. Thank you. And that let's get a motion and a second on that, please. Thank you very much. It's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council on bill 1804 as amended. Okay, seeing none, Madam Secretary, roll call please on council bill 23-1804. Sawyer? Aye. Alvidres? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1804 has been ordered published. Uh, Madam Secretary, will you please put the next item on our screens? Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put uh, Council Bill 
23 18, I'm sorry, 1484 on the floor to take out of order. I move that Council Bill 23 1484 be taken out of order. Thank you. And it's been moved and seconded. Comments first by members of Council, Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Council President. As the um, chair of the Land Use Transportation and Infrastructure Committee meeting, we need to take this item out of order so that we may postpone final consideration of this item. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 1484. The vote to take out of order. Correct. Okay, yes. Uh, Sawyer? Aye. Alvarez? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1484 is taken out of, will be taken out of order. Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1484 on the floor for final passage? Yes, Council President, I move the Council Bill 23-1484 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Councilman Sandoval. Watson. Sandoval. Sandoval, your motion to postpone. I move final consideration of Council Bill 1484 be postponed to Monday, January 8th, 2024. Thank you very much. Any additional comments by members of council? Thank you, council president. I am asking to postpone this item at the request of the applicant to January 8th, 2024. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call please on the postponement of 1484. Sawyer? Aye. Alvarez? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1484 has been postponed to Monday, January 8th, 2024. Uh, Madam Secretary, please put the next item on our screens. Councilwoman Sandoval, will you please put Council Bill 23-1485 on the floor to be taken out of order? I move that Council Bill 1485 be taken out of order. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of Council. Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Council President. We need to take this item out of order that so we may, we, so we may postpone final consideration of this item. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue. Madam Secretary, roll call please on Council Bill 23-1485 being taken out of order. Sawyer? Aye. Alvitras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1485 will be taken out of order. 
Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1485 on the floor for final passage? I'm feeling a little overworked. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I move the Council Bill 23-1485 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that has been moved and seconded. Councilwoman Sandoval, your motion to postpone. I move that final consideration of Council Bill 1485 be postponed to Monday, December 11th. Thank you very much. Any additional comments by members of council? Thank you, council president. I am asking to postpone this item to ensure that noticing requirements are met. Perfect, thank you for that. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call please on the postponement of council bill 23-1485. Sawyer. Aye. Alvizuez. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gilmore. Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council Bill 23-1485 has been postponed to Monday. Sorry, can we get that date? It's next Monday, right? December 11th. December 11th. December 11th. 2023. Thank you very much. And that concludes the items to be called out. All bills for introduction are ordered published. Council members, remember this is a consent or block vote and you'll need to vote aye. Otherwise, this is your last chance to call it an item for a separate vote. Councilman Cashman, will you please put the resolutions for adoption and the bills on final consideration for final passage on the floor? Yes, Council President, I move that the resolutions be adopted and bills on final consideration be placed upon final consideration and do pass in a block for the following items, all series of 2023, uh, 1778, 1800, 1801, 1787, 1788, 1811, 1812, 1813, 1815, 1816, 1817, 1746, 1753, 1768, 1782, 1789, 1790, 1791, 1792, 1793. 1794, 1795, 1796, 1797, 1799, 1818, 1870, 1709, 1717, 1718, 1720, 1806, 1731, 1745, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And that's been moved and seconded. Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer. Aye. Alvitras. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gilmore. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Lewis. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam of Gonzalez Gutierrez? 
I only if it includes the partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> Madam President. Aye. Um, Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. The resolutions have been adopted and the bills have been placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you, everyone. Um, tonight, under unfinished business, Council will hold a required public hearing on Council Bill 23-1483, changing the zoning classification for 4850 North Federal Boulevard in Chaffee Park. Additionally, Council will hold a required public hearing on Council Bill 1466, changing the zoning classification for 3216 North High Street in Cole, and a required public hearing on Council Bill 1481, changing the zoning classification for 560 South Emerson Street in Washington Park West and a required public hearing on Council Bill 1767, amending Article 3 of Chapter 15 of the Revised Municipal Code concerning the regulation of campaign finances. Anyone wishing to speak on these matters must go online to sign up during the recess of Council. If there are no objections, we will recess until 5.30. Before reconvening our regular meeting, Council provides a half-hour general public comment session to hear from the public on city matters except when scheduled for a legally required public hearing. Kahuama. What is a kawama? Is there anybody who does not know what a kawama is? Raise your hand, there's no shame. Alguien no sabe lo que es una kawama? Technically speaking, a kawama is a big ass turtle. 40 ounces, no, wait. 40 ounces. We're supposed to be saving, by the way. But in Mexico, they use. Council will now reconvene from our earlier session. We have two pending items of unfinished business from November 27th, 2023 uh, council meeting, uh, council proclamation 23-1877 and a required public hearing on council bill 23-1483. Please note that the required public hearing on council bill 23-1484 is postponed until January 8th, 2024 through an adopted motion by council during the 3.30 session. Councilwoman uh, Parody uh, and Lewis, will you please read proclamation 23-1877. Thank you so much, Madam President. Um, it's my honor to read proclamation number 23-1877 on 35 years of World AIDS Day. Whereas the first World AIDS Day took place on December 1, 1988, providing a platform to raise awareness about HIV and AIDS and to honor the lives affected by the epidemic. This year marks the 35th commemoration of this important day. And whereas this year on World AIDS Day, we will recommit to ending the HIV epidemic in Denver and around the world. We will also rededicate ourselves to fighting the discrimination that too often keeps people with HIV from getting the services they need and living the full lives they deserve. And whereas thanks to the dedication of scientists, activists, healthcare workers, caregivers, and so many others, we've made enormous progress preventing, detecting, and treating HIV reducing transmission and AIDS-related deaths and supporting millions of people so that they can enjoy long, healthy lives. Still, not everyone has equal access to that care. For the more than 10,000 people in the Denver metro area and 39 million people globally now living with HIV, especially members of the LGBTQI community, communities of color, women and girls, a diagnosis is still life-altering. And whereas Denver and the state of Colorado are taking bold measures to significantly decrease estimated new transmissions. First, by identifying persons who remain undiagnosed and linking them to care. Second, by supporting persons diagnosed with HIV to engage in care and treatment with access to medication to attain HIV viral su suppression, recognizing that early initiation of antiretroviral medication allows individuals to take medication as prescribed and to get and keep an undetectable viral load 
which allows them to live long and healthy lives and not transmit HIV. This directly supports the undetectable equals untransmissible message that individuals with a sustained undetectable viral load cannot transmit HIV. And third, by expanding access to pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP for prevention. And whereas World, World AIDS Day is an opportunity to remember those we have lost, to celebrate those who are surviving and thriving with HIV, to honor healthcare workers, advocates, and researchers who have dedicated their lives to this disease, and to recognize those who continue to provide support and leadership in the fight to end HIV transmission and the development of AIDS in our lifetime. And whereas this year's World AIDS Day theme, theme Let Communities Lead, reminds us that indeed the world can end HIV transmission and HIV-related illness with communities leading the way. Organizations of communities living with, at risk of, or affected by HIV are the front line of progress, progress in the HIV response. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the city council, by the council of, of the city and county of Denver, that the council of the city and county of Denver commemorates 35 years of World AIDS Day on December 1, 2023, that the clerk of the city and county of Denver shall affix the seal of the city and county of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted, transmitted to Denver Health, Public Health Institute, Vivant Health, Children's Hospital of Colorado, Brother Jeff's Cultural Center, It Takes a Village, Cholera Health Network, Crazy Love Africa, Fast Track Cities, and Park Hill United Methodist Church. Thank you very much. Um, Councilwoman Parity, your motion to adopt? I move to adopt proclamation number 23-1877. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments first by members of council. We'll start with Councilwoman Parity and Lewis. Um, yeah, so it really is an honor to carry this proclamation um, and to see these nine incredible organizations um, here tonight. Um, collectively, they represent and serve some of the most vulnerable people in our community, um, and that's no accident. I also really noted that um, at our 3.30 session, we, um, we adopted a proclamation brought by Councilman Watson talking about the history of Project Angel Heart and how that arose from um, the community of LGBTQ people and those living with HIV and AIDS and those who love them, um, trying to do everything that we could um, here in one Denver neighborhood to give those folks the long and healthy lives that they deserved, um, which was harder at that time. So something I learned a lot more about um, in the course of putting this together is that 40 years ago, some of our visionary activists right here in Denver developed the Denver Principles Manifesto, um, which shaped the active involvement of people living with HIV in the AIDS response. Nothing about us without us, right? Um, this was a historic first step towards um, the greater involvement of people with HIV principle, which promotes the meaningful participation of people living with the virus in decision-making, not as passive subject, subjects, but as protagonists fully involved in shaping our health and policy responses to the AIDS epidemic. Um, the Denver Principles outlined rights and responsibilities uh, for people living with HIV and provided recommendations to healthcare professionals and also to family and friends. Uh, this remains the model for an ethical public health response, including for those experiencing homelessness, for people who use drugs, for those living with mental health issues and disabilities, and for all of us who love them. A clear understanding of the intersectional issues that people living with HIV face is essential for protecting and defending the rights of those people. Um, all vulnerabilities in our country intersect. Key populations have been, have been disproportionately impacted by HIV, um, and it's important to take take on the challenges faced by our communities 
including structural homophobia and transphobia that have sustained this 42 year pandemic. At a time when our LGBTQ communities, in particular our trans friends and neighbors, are increasingly under legal and cultural attack throughout the country, it's imperative that we continue to reduce stigma, strengthen protections, follow the lead of the communities most impacted. The continued fight for the rights and dignity of people living with HIV and AIDS is central to that imperative. On World AIDS Day, we continue to honor the dead and fight for the living. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilman Lewis. Yeah, thank you. That was beautiful. Um, fighting the stigma of AIDS continues to be an uphill battle, but speaking clearly about supporting those who have contracted this horrible disease is something I hold close in my heart. A growing body of research from organizations like the World Health Organization and, US, and the US CDC shows that centuries of racism and discrimination in this country have had a profound negative impact on communities of color. The CDC estimates that about 1.2 million people in the US have HIV and that black people account for 13% of the US population, but 40% of people living with HIV. The disproportionate impact of AIDS and HIV within the black community has long been alarming especially with the incorrect correlation between the queer community and the disease. For black women, 91% of new HIV infections were attributed to heterosexual contact, while the HIV infection rate, infection rate among black women was the highest compared to women of all other races and ethnicities. World AIDS Day exists to shine a light on the real experiences of people living with HIV today, while celebrating the strength resilience and diversity of the communities most affected. It is a moment to inspire the leadership needed to create a future where HIV doesn't stand in the way of anyone else, anyone's life. I'm proud to co-sponsor this proclamation with my co colleague, Councilwoman Parity. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, Councilman Watson. First, uh, I wanna say thank you, Councilwoman uh, Lewis and Parity for uh, this proclamation and for sponsoring it. I think as we look at as a openly queer black man, uh, knowing the stigma on, on both ends, um, as you look at a generation of LGBTQIA folks that um, died before um, there was an opportunity to live, uh, when this was a death sentence, and, and knowing that there are so many uh, contributions um, because of negligence, because of hate, um, in our country, um, that these folks, these uh, leaders didn't get to live a full life. And when you also consider the African-American community and once again, out of, once again, hatred, homophobia and, um, and ignorance, uh, um, our population continue to be plagued at a higher rate by this, um, um, this disease um, than many others. I think it's important to stop and commemorate uh, the lives lost but more importantly, the champions of, 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 that took action to ensure that future generations would not live under the same level of a plague um, that our forerunners uh, did. Um, I'm looking at faces of folks that I've known who in the audience who've done this good work um, for generations, for, for decades, and I thank them for their service. I thank everyone um, in the audience and folks who are viewing us uh, on, on TV for uh, supporting and loving those that you have in your family and friends that are living with HIV and that are living with AIDS. Thank you so much, Councilwoman, for bringing this forward, and thank you, Council President. Thank you. Councilwoman Alvides. 
Thank you, Council President. And yes, thank you, <clears throat> Council Members Parity and Lewis for bringing this forward. It's something that I'm still processing to this day. When I was a kiddo, my aunt was diagnosed. My mom's sister who lived across the street, who was my favorite aunt, because she was so kind and beautiful. I always had her nails painted and always wore lipstick up until the day she died. And there's been facts that I never knew until adulthood, like why some friends stopped talking to us mm. and why some people wouldn't come over to our house anymore. Mm. And um, it's a lot to process, but, <clears throat> but knowing that I lost uh, one of my closest people that I had in my childhood to this disease and knowing that people can live today without having that stigma where people are more educated, where people can survive this disease is, is a beautiful thing. So I just wanted to share that story. And it's, it's hard to this day because of the amount of shame that came with that time. But thank you for bringing this forward. Thank you, Council President. Thank you. Thank you all. Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Aye. Alvitrus? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 23-1877 has been adopted. We have time for proclamation acceptance. Councilwomen, if you'd like to invite someone up to accept. We sure would, and I think that's Jess Wiederholt or whoever she designates. <laughs> thank you so <clears throat> thank you so much for the prox proclamation and acknowledging World AIDS Day. You all said it so well, I'll be very brief. The thing I really want to highlight is the Organizations that are represented by the folks in this room are serving people who are lacking access to treatment and care. They often are facing barriers to treatment and care, such as homelessness, which was mentioned, uh, lack of access to food, uh, other services, supportive services, behavioral health, insurance, and actual access to the medication and the services that these organizations provide uh, eliminate those barriers to treatment and care. So the approximately 6,000 people that we all serve in Colorado can get to a viral suppression state so that they can enjoy the healthy lives that the rest of us often take for, for uh, granted. So thank you very much. We appreciate your acknowledging this day and helping us to keep bringing awareness to the importance of this cause. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you all for being here. Uh, we'll move into our one public hearing under unfinished business. Um, we have three hearings uh, following unfinished business and a proclamation. As a reminder, council members, um, she's doing it. Turn on your video when you vote. For those participating in person when called upon, please come to the podium. On the monitor on the wall, you'll see your time counting down. For those participating virtually when called upon, please wait until our meeting um, host promotes you to speaker. When you're promoted, please accept that promotion. Turn on your camera if you have one and your microphone. All speakers should begin their remarks uh, by telling council your name and city of residence. And if you feel comfortable doing so, your home address. If you have signed up 
To answer questions only, please state your name and note you are available for questions of council. Speakers will have three minutes. There's no yielding of time. If translation is needed, you'll be given an additional three minutes for your comments to be interpreted. Speakers must stay on the topic of the hearing and direct your comments to council as a whole. Please refrain from profane or obscene speech and refrain from individual or personal attacks. Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 23-1483 on the floor for final passage? Yes, Council President, I move that Council Bill 23-1483 be placed upon final consideration and be passed. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 1483 is open. May we have the staff report? Hi, Libby. Thank you, Council President. Um, I'm Libby Gluck with Community Planning and Development, and I'll be presenting the map amendment for 4850 North Federal Boulevard. For this presentation today, first we'll discuss the request, then where the site is located, the rezoning process, and then we'll conclude with how this proposal relates to the review criteria. The applicants are requesting to rezone this property from former Chapter 59 districts B3 and P1 to Urban Edge Community Corridor 3X to allow for a drive-through restaurant. Now we'll discuss the existing conditions on the site. This site is located in Council District 1 in the Chaffee Park neighborhood. The existing zone districts are former Chapter 59 districts that are intended for a shopping center and parking uses. Um, this property is surrounded by single unit residential to the north and east and then commercial corridor districts along Federal Boulevard. The existing use on the site is commercial and retail with primarily commercial and retail uses located along Federal and then single unit residential directly abutting the commercial uses. Federal Boulevard is also designated as a parkway with a required setback of 20 feet from the parkway. And this slide shows the existing building form and scale with the subject property on the top. And then you can see an example of the residential uses that abut the property. And now we'll discuss the rezoning process. So this application was complete at the beginning of August in 2022. This went to planning board on October 4th, the land use and transportation infrastructure committee on October 17th. And we are before you today for the city council hearing. Um, so staff has not received letters from any of the registered neighborhood organizations in this area in regards to this rezoning, um, but we have received six emails from members of the public, one in support citing a desire for more density and retail options, and then five in opposition citing concerns with another fast food restaurant locating in the area. Um, we've also received two letters of support that the applicant provided for the specific tenant, um, which were also sent to the city council email. As stated previously, this went to planning board on October 4th and the board voted unanimously to recommend approval of the request. There were also several neighbors who expressed concerns with the proposed auto-oriented use and these concerns have also come up in the near Northwest area planning process. So while the board did recommend approval, they found it difficult to not consider a project when they know the outcome is a drive-through restaurant and that the near Northwest area plan is currently underway. So they did submit a statement of deliberation to explain the discussion and that was also attached to the staff report. Um, so finally, the bulk of this presentation will be spent discussing the rezoning criteria and how it relates to this specific proposal. So the Denver Zoning Code has five review criteria that must be met in order for rezoning to be approved. The first criterion is consistency with adopted plans, and there are three plans that are applicable to this site. 
The proposed rezoning will ensure Denver residents have access to basic services and a variety of amenities and will encourage infill development consistent with the strategies and in the comprehensive plan. And then Blueprint Denver maps, this area, maps the area east of federal as urban edge future neighborhood context. And ECC3X is a district within the urban edge context. Then the proposed zone district is also consistent with the community corridor future place type, which is described as providing a mix of office, commercial, and residential, and includes both larger and smaller scale buildings, some set back from the street to accommodate parking. And then Federal Boulevard is a commercial arterial street which is meant for commercial uses that are more auto-oriented. And this site is part of the Community Centers and Corridors Growth Area Strategy, which is anticipated to capture 20% of new jobs and 25% of new housing by 2040. And ECC3X will allow for more growth on the site than what is allowed under the current zone districts. The map amendment is also consistent with strategies in Blueprint Denver because it will rezone the property from the former Chapter 59 code into the Denver Zoning Code. There are other policies from the Land Use and Built Form Design Quality and Preservation section that recommend creating design outcomes along corridors that promote mixed-use, pedestrian-friendly places. This could include amending the Denver Zoning Code to discourage auto-oriented uses. So while ECC3X does not have as many pedestrian-oriented building form standards as the main street or mixed-use districts, this site is unique in that it's adjacent to three street frontages, um, which you can see here. And the build-to requirements in the mixed-use and main street zone districts would result in a challenging building configuration with a structure being required to be located closer to the residential properties. Um, therefore, the ECC3X district will promote a mix of uses while providing more flexibility in the building form standards. And then the Federal Boulevard, Federal Boulevard Corridor Plan was adopted in 1995 and recommends that commercial development be limited to existing zone nodes of development. And this property is currently zoned for commercial development consistent with this plan guidance. This map amendment will result in uniform regulations to all new development within the ECC3X zone district. And the proposed rezoning will further the public health, safety, and welfare by rezoning a property from the former Chapter 59 zoning code into the Denver zoning code, which will provide a more predictable outcome with potential for greater density than the floor area ratio that's permitted under the current zone districts. Then the justifying circumstance is that the city adopted the Denver zoning code and this property retains the former chapter 59 zoning. And then finally, this site is consistent with the urban edge neighborhood context, the commercial corridor districts, and then the specific intent of the ECC3X zone district. So given that all five, uh, that all five review criteria have been met, staff recommends approval of this rezoning. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you very much. Uh, please. Okay, we have eight individuals signed up to speak this evening. If you're here in person after your name's called, please make your way to the front bench. We will begin um, in chambers with Emily Felton. Good evening, um, city council members and Madam President. My name is Emily Felton, and I'm the engineering project manager that designed the concept for this project. And I'm here to support the proposal to rezone the property to ECC3X, like Libby just said. I'd like to speak about a few of the particulars um, that have been incorporated into the plan for this redevelopment, and specifically, 
to make sure that this unique spot at the edge of the commercial and residential areas um, has been designed with the neighborhood in mind. So for a little bit of background on this, early in the planning process, we started taking affirmative steps to reach out to the neighborhood, including discussions with neighborhood organization, Councilwoman Sandoval um, and her office, and then gathering input from surrounding, surrounding neighbors on how to design the building appropriate for this location. Our goal has been to find a solution that works for all. Um, and the final project product is definitely different than how we started. So although this is technically a zoning hearing today and not a review of the site plan, we've already submitted the SCP with the city and county of Denver and so that the community could see exactly what's being proposed if the rezoning is approved tonight. The SCP includes all of the following specific features that we've incorporated to help ensure that the applicant will be well integrated with the neighborhood. So a few of the changes that we've made after discussions um, with the neighbors is a fence to screen the drive through from the adjacent property that's five feet, eight inches tall, two different landscape hedges to, um, to provide buffer, full cutoff light fixtures, um, adjusting of orientation of the trash enclosures. That was a specific request of the neighbors. Adjusting the position of the building on the property and pushing it up against federal. And as Libby outlined, that would not um, be applicable with all the different zonings, including MX, which is why we went to ECC3X. Um, this results included setbacks of over 200 feet between the edge of the building and the residents and 182 feet from the order box to the nearest residential home. So these are just a few of the examples of how we've adjusted the plan in collaboration with the neighborhood and to address people's concerns around the new, a new drive-through on this block. So we kindly ask that you approve council bill 1483 and thank you for your time. I'd be happy to answer any questions about the design. Thank you very much. Our next speaker joining us on Zoom is Lou Aaron. Foster. Good evening, City Council President and Council Members. My name is Lou Aaron Foster and I am the Senior Property Development Manager with Raising Cane. As applicant, I am here to request that you approve our application to rezone the property. At Raising Cane, we have one left and that's our quality chicken finger mills. We have a great crew cool culture, and our culture is deeply rooted in appreciation. Our commitment to the community is solid, and the community has helped us grow, and it has supported our success. So we show this appreciation by being actively involved in each community that we're in. Our commitment has several areas of focus, such as education, feeding the hungry, pet welfare, active lifestyle, business development, and more. Some of the examples that we have in Denver with our active community involvement with the focus on education include Cherry Creek High School, their football and baseball, Northfield High School, University of Denver, Green Ranch Valley High School, and various fundraisers with local elementary and middle schools. Our involvement starts on our opening day. We look forward to building relationships with the school in this community. We also have partnerships with several active lifestyle groups in Denver, including MCA Central Park Kids Triathlon, as well as Dick's Sporting Goods Park, partnering with their four largest youth soccer tournaments. Raising Cane takes our position 
in the community and being a good neighbor very seriously. We have been working with Chaffee Park community over the past year. In September of 22, we began our community outreach and we went virtually with Chaffee Park, Councilwoman Sandoval and the City of Denver planners. We heard some of the neighbors' concerns and continued to develop our site plan and the layout to address the concerns. We have had ongoing conversations this fall and we are also in the process to finalize a formal good neighbor agreement. Our rezoning of the development of the site would replace the existing dark and vacant building to a site that is the community's king and a place for people and family to enjoy. Finally, I ask that you approve Council Bill 23-14-83 as this property meets the approval criteria and our team remains here to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Our next speaker also joining us via Zoom is Todd Woody. Did we have a Todd on Zoom? Okay, I don't know that we found him. Did we find him? He declined. That's okay. No, 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 <laughs> our producer. That's okay. Okay, he declined, so that's fine. Um, our next speaker uh, joining us via Zoom, Alejandra Castaneda. Good afternoon. Buenas tardes. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hello, my name is Alejandra Castaneda, and I live in District 1 with my daughter, Violeta. I'm speaking today to ask you to please vote no on the rezoning application for the property located at 4850 North Federal Boulevard in District 1. The proposed rezoning from B3 and P1 to ECC3X has the ultimate goal to allow for raising canes, a drive-through fast food restaurant to be built at this location. As much as the applicant wants to use our city plans as basis for why their intended use is consistent with our city's goals, we know this about drive-through restaurants. And I quote from an article. Magnets of traffic and congestion, drive-throughs discourage walking, public transit use, and visits to neighboring businesses. They also lead to crashes with pedestrians, cyclists, and other cars, and contradict the environmental and livability goals of many communities, including Denver's. If you ever travel in that area outside of a car, if you have not, please do. You know it does not need this type of development. It is also counterproductive to our stated Vision Zero and Climate Action Goals, as demonstrated by a 2022 uh, safety audit of Federal Boulevard between West 46th Avenue and West 52nd Avenue. The audit showed that between March 2017 and March 2020, there were a total of 300 crashes along Federal Boulevard between these two avenues, with five being pedestrian crashes. There have been three pedestrian crashes more since 2020 and up until the audit in 2022. We owe it to our community members to urgently undo the damage of car-dependent development, not to add to it. A resident uh, who lives on 52nd Avenue Federal and Elliott wrote to the city planners and to Councilwoman Sandoval saying, there are already no less than five fast food restaurants within a one mile stretch of this section, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King and Good Times, plus Winchell's Donuts and Little Caesars. This does not map with our near Northwest neighborhood plan for 2024, which 
Alejandra, did you hit mute? Can you unmute? I'm sorry, a past member of uh, the defunct Federal Boulevard Action Committee who did a walk audit back in 2017 or 2018 with uh, former Mayor Hancock says, if you are newer to the council and have never traveled on foot on this section of, of, of federal, you know that this, this section does not need this rezoning. She just watched someone almost get run over by a driver pulling out of the donut shop. Please vote no on this rezoning application. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker, Christopher Grant, we do not have online. Is he in chambers? Okay. Our next speaker is Caroline, Carolyn White. Good evening, Council President and Council Members, City Staff and Members of the Public. My name is Carolyn White with Brownstein Hyatt Barber Shrek and I'm Land Use Council for the applicant. I'm here tonight to request that you approve the rezoning of this property from the current B3 and P1 under the old code to ECC3X under the new code. Staff, as you heard, has recommended approval because the property satisfies, the application satisfies all of the criteria in the code and went through that criteria. We agree with that analysis and I won't repeat any of that here. The application is technically for a rezoning, but as you heard, some of the, most of the comment around it has really focused on what the end use is gonna be, the drive-through and what the site plan is gonna be. And so I'd like to speak um, principally to that. As staff noted in their analysis, this property is surrounded on three sides by commercial uses and by the, by the highway, by I-70, and then on the backside by the residential neighborhood of Chafee Park. You may have noticed on one of staff's slides, however, that this lot is actually twice as wide as any of the other lots facing along federal adjacent to that neighborhood in that location where some of the other drive-through restaurants that were referenced are mentioned. And as a result of that, it provides some flexibility to design the site with some creativity to make these uses and the parts of the use, like the drive-through itself and the order box, um, as far away from the neighborhood as possible, and in fact, significantly farther than any of those components are in any of the other drive-through um, residents in the neighborhood. Um, so this rezoning is really intended to revitalize this empty corner of federal. If you're not familiar with this location, it's a former Village Inn restaurant, which has been vacant for quite some time. Um, as you may know, the trend in restaurants over the last several years has been towards providing more what we call off-premises dining options to go food and drive-through food. Whether it's for pandemic reasons or for other reasons, since 2020, um, people have used drive-throughs at an increased level of about 30% and dine-in has decreased in the area of 40%. So the demand for this type of use is definitely not going away. A thoughtfully designed drive-through restaurant in this location has the opportunity to position this vacant blighted parcel into a thriving part of the neighborhood for years to come. And this rezoning is an essential step in making that happen in a way that is compatible with the neighborhood. I'd like to talk a little bit about why this rezoning was requested. Um, most of the commentary has focused on and assumed that the purpose of the rezoning is to allow a drive-through. Actually, half, more than half of the site is zoned B3, which allows a drive-through. The principal reason for the rezoning request is number one, this parcel has split zoning, part of it's B3, part of it's P1, 
which makes it very hard to utilize the site in a thoughtful way and to consider it as a single combined site. And secondly, of course, as was mentioned, these are both old code zone districts, and um, it's very difficult to design a modern site to some of those old code zone districts. And Thank so in that's your time. Is that my time already? We'll, we'll wow. call on you if there are questions. All right, great. We're happy to answer any questions. Thank, Thank you. you. Our next speaker is uh, Joan Engler. Good evening, and thank you, council members, for allowing me to speak tonight on an agenda item we feel that affects not only my family, but the greater Denver community as a whole. Our concerns are to address the three main areas of public health, safety, and community welfare issues. We believe the proposed zoning change will have a neg negative impact on the health, safety, and welfare, not only for our personal lives, but those of our neighbors and the community at large. Referencing Blueprint Denver 2019, the three main goals of the strategic plan were to establish complete neighborhoods and complete transportation networks, a measured common sense approach to new growth, and to make land use decisions through the lens of social equity. An update to the Denver Transportation and Infrastructure Plan, the goals of Denver Moves Everyone 2050 include moving everyone and everything equitably, safely, and sustainably. Within these stated goals is the concept of eliminating traffic deaths, creating a city free of pollution, and one where neighborhoods are connected. We challenge the proposed development of a drive-through business in this neighborhood as violating the city's stated goals due to dangerous traffic patterns caused by a drive-through going into the neighborhood and then going out through a main exit a main road. We challenge the development leading to the potential for degradation of the health of neighborhood residents, the direct increase in pollution in the local area from car engines idling while waiting in line at the drive-through has potential for an increase in respiratory and heart health, as well as increase in overall greenhouse gas emissions into the Denver area, as well as the greater environment. Many cities have banned drive-through businesses because of these reasons, as well as deaths and permanent injuries to pedestrians walking across the sidewalks. There will not be a privacy fence along Elliott Street and every car in the drive-through will have visibility into our homes. We challenge the development of this facility as a wise land use decision through the lens of social equity. We believe this neighborhood does not need an additional fast food drive-through facility in a neighborhood already saturated with these establishments. Drive-through businesses limits consumer access to local businesses, and that doesn't allow them to thrive and can degrade the neighborhood further. We believe public health, safety, and welfare of the community were not adequately addressed in consideration of the proposed request for development of this fast food drive-through facility in this location. We understand the reality of the need for redevelopment and the economic impact the developers are seeking by building the facility in this location. We are asking for the hours of operation from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on weeknights and 10 to midnight on weekends. Even with these hours of operation, it will not meet the public health, safety, and welfare of the community and to meet the goals of Denver Moves Everyone 2050 as the restaurant proposes to stay open as late as 3.30 in the morning. Thank you very much. That's Thank you time. for considering our comments. Thank you. Our final speaker is Paul Engler. 
Hollinger Chaffee Park. Thank you, Council, for the opportunity to address this zoning change at 4850 Federal Boulevard. We are concerned neighbors. Our home has been in my family since 1941, which is adjacent to the property. We're worried about the overall impact of the neighborhood and the community at large. Additionally, this will create the first commercial land use extending to Elliott Street from 20th to 52nd. The zoning board wrote a letter to city council pointing out the conflict with the future vision of the federal corridor, including the planned BRT lane. We as homeowners are concerned how this will affect us and the health of our families knowing their plans to build a drive-through restaurant. Our concerns are the increase of air, noise, light, pollution, and pedestrian safety. Our noise pollution will be increased by the two border lanes just 60 feet from our homes. The loudspeakers from the cars waiting in line during the day will be annoying, but at night will interrupt our sleep. Plus the property already has a history of noise violations and citations. The order lanes will direct their car lights into the homes at, at Elliott as they turn in off uh, 49th Avenue. The restaurant chain has an average of 274 cars per day with 20 vehicles idling in the lanes for 17 hours a day, seven days a week. Our homes are 60 feet from the drive-through lane and will increase our chances of respiratory Ill illnesses. Neighbors have proposed a GNA, good neighbor agreement between the neighbors and the restaurant to address the increased noise, light, and air pollution created by the drive-through. Our major concern is the proposed hours of operation, 10 a.m. to 1.30 a.m. Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 3.30 a.m. Friday and Saturday. Please note these hours are later than any of their other locations in Colorado. The mediator from, uh, from the city reached out to the business and the business offered a compromise to have similar hours of their other locations in Denver. The other restaurant closing hours range from 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. We feel this range of hours is too broad and none of their other locations are next to homes. I'm asking you to decline this application. The rezoning request is not in the best interest of the neighborhood, community, or the city of Denver and not in line with the 2050 plan. Thank you, Council, for your time and attention. Thank you very much. Um, that concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of Council on Bill 1483? Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I have a, a couple of questions. I guess I heard that, that a good neighbor agreement was in the works, so that has not been completed yet. Is that correct? And I'm not sure who can answer that. Sorry, we can't hear. We can't hear you in the Either, back. Yeah, somebody needs to just come up to the mic if they don't mind. Who can to speak answer. to the GNA? I, I can speak on behalf of the applicant, and um, I, I think that this um, lady probably represents the neighborhood perspective. From the applicant's perspective, we have exchanged drafts. We've gone back and forth. It's not in final form. It's not executed yet, but those conversations are ongoing. Can I ask what are the concerns or what are the issues that are if there are drafts going back and forth? Like what are what's causing the reason that it's not completed. 
Um, Lou Aaron Foster, who represents Raising Cane's, who's on the line, may be able to provide more detail, but um, my understanding, the only thing that was in question is the hours of operation. And while we're on that, around the hours of operation, and, and maybe the person online can answer the question is um, making sure that we have the information, what are the hours of operation for this site? Can I just grab my notebook really quick? I wanna make sure I get this yeah. right. So the, the current proposed hours of operation, which was the last proposal back to the neighbors, and um, they are seeking some confirmation internally from corporate to make sure they can do this, is 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. Sunday through Thursday and 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. Friday and Saturday. And that was transmitted in correspondence to the neighbors via Councilwoman Sandoval's aid um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. Okay, thank you. I, um, on that, I will just say like, trying to do a quick search, I, I do see like there's a lot of different hours of operation depending on where they're located. I think it's interesting to note that the one off of 38th and Wadsworth is only open till midnight and there's not really a whole lot of residential right near there. And so I just might wanna put a plug in there for um, that to be considered. Um, since it's like in a shop, I know exactly where that Racing Kings is. It's, it's a shopping area. There's a Sprouts, there's a, maybe it's a, I don't know if it's a Sprouts, but there's like a bunch of other places. And then there's like a privacy for like some apartments and more office buildings and stuff like that. So maybe something to um, consider on that. That's it. Thank you. Um, thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Um, Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. Um, Libby, I have a couple questions for you and I'm gonna get into the weeds. Um, so when we're up here, we're supposed to look at zone districts. And this zone district, the proposed is ECC3X, which is kind of an outdated zone district to be 100% honest. It's not something that normally in Northwest Denver, we would be rezoning to we would be rezoning to EMX or EMS, which is E urban mixed juice, um, or what is E? I can't remember. Main right Street. Now. Main Street, yeah, or Main Street. So can you talk to me about how the conversation went from going from an old zone district, two different old zone districts, mm -hmm. to ESS3X? Yeah, so I guess I'll first say that that's what the applicants proposed when they came in for the pre-application meeting. Um, and so we respond to that. Now, we did recommend looking at, like have them look at a mixed use district um, or a main street, or I believe the MX with the A at the end. Um, and you know, they came back to us that because of the three street frontages that Elliott Street and I believe it's 49th to the north would be considered side streets and mix the both the mixed use and main street districts have a build to requirement um, that would push the building closer to those streets under a mixed use or main street district and so that is why they wanted to stick with the cc the ecc 3x that they went with and so then that's what they applied for them that's a staff that's what we respond to okay and then um 
there was mention that there's going to be a garden wall or some type of greenery, but I think I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name at this point. Um, can you come and talk to us about the um, STP site development plan that's submitted and some of the work that you're doing? Emily, if you can reintroduce yourself, that'd be great. <laughs> <President>. <laughs> My name is Emily Felton. I um, am speaking on behalf of the applicant tonight and I'm the project engineer to take this through um, this proposed project through concept plan. I'm not sure if this is allowed, but I have an image of the garden wall and a site plan if you'd like to see it. Um, can she give it to the council secretary? To secretary, right she here. Could pass it down. Oh, sure, no problem. And she could just start oh, at it. the end of the dais and then all my colleagues could see it and pass it down. Or did you have a copy for everyone? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes, there should be Perfect. more than enough. Great. Thank you. Um, and so your specific question, I want to make sure I answer your specific question is around the garden wall. Yep. Yes. So um, originally with this zone district, I just want to be honest with you all that this is not um, typical and we've worked with the neighbors and the planner and actual, actually your, your staff as well in order to propose the garden wall. So you'll see on this, the allowable fence height that we've worked with um, zoning on is um, six feet. And what you'll see in front of you is five feet, eight inches proposed, matches a very similar garden wall along the similar um, ECC 3X zone district that is between the residential area um, and the ECC 3X zone district. So if you look at the map, on the right-hand side, you'll see um, Taco Bell called out in the top right, mm -hmm. which is that ECC 3X district. That's where that garden wall detail um, really originated and came from. And again, we worked with the neighbors and with our, our planner in order to allow this in this area. And it was important for us to shield headlights with this. Um, and then we've also got two different um, landscape areas of, of shrubs that are over uh, three feet tall in order to screen as well. Thank you. And one other question I have on this site plan. Mm -hmm. There is on the left side of federal, like on the left of the map, there's a median mm -hmm. that's not actually really there right now. Would you all be putting in a median right there on federal so that people, if this were to pass through and be built, people couldn't make a left coming out of there and then make a left onto um, southbound federal? Yes, and that's really for safety, um, for traffic and for safety. There's a, a, a city plan along federal. So we've worked with both CDOT and the transportation department in order to provide improvements along federal that are consistent with the city plans. Okay, and then the garden wall isn't, in, it's part of the good neighbor agreement, is that correct? It is part of the site development plan. I I don't know. I can't speak confidently to the good neighbor agreement. Um, I think is it Luann? Oh yeah, we are agreeing to do it through the SDP process if that's helpful. Um, Joan or uh, Paul, can you come up here? Either one, Joan or Paul, whoever would like to answer. Um, can you talk to me about? A, your involvement in the Good Neighbor Agreement. Mm -hmm. And let's just start with that. I'll start at one question at a time. Talk to me about the Good Neighbor Agreement and your interpretation of the Good Neighbor Agreement. Okay. I was the one who actually did the Good Neighbor Agreement off of a template, off of Google. <laughs> and uh, 
Um, we, uh, it was pretty typical, you know, as far as trash and taking care of the right of way and that kind of thing. Um, we had it to uh, the Raising Canes uh, in a very timely manner after we had met um, with everyone. I think it was just maybe three weeks after that, we had the good neighbor agreement to them and we didn't hear back for quite some time. Um, and it was just literally the week before Thanksgiving that we were offered this uh, mediation um, saying that, you know, they could have an open, it was more open-ended uh, and we wanted something more specific in an agreement. We didn't wanna just leave things open-ended. I didn't think that was a good idea. Um, as well as we did our research on the um, other fast food restaurants in that area. And I don't believe any of them uh, are staying open those, uh, those late hours, as well as there weren't any other Raising Canes that were staying open that late at night. Um, and just the impact on our lives, because of course everybody has a life during the day and it's hard for kids to learn. It's hard for their parents to go to work and work effectively during the day. So talk to me, remind me, when Village Inn was there, was there a six foot wall? Oh, there was, oh, there's that wooden uh, fence there. And even with that wooden fence, People can still see if they're parked back up by where um, the Village Inn was at or Jenny's Market. They can park there facing their vehicles towards us and they can still see into our homes even with that wooden fence that's there. Okay, thank you. Uh -huh. Can I call Lou Ann Foster who's on okay. Zoom? Can we promote her? She's in. She's in? Yes, hello. Hi, Lou Ann. Can, can you talk to me about Raising Canes, I think you're the one who we've been working mostly with on the Good Neighbor Agreement, is that correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about why the Good Neighbor Agreement stalled the Raising Canes side of the Good Neighbor Agreement? So I do not believe the Good Neighbor Agreement stalled. We did receive it and we did take a couple of weeks to review it. It had to go through several different departments at Raising Canes. It does not just get reviewed by my Department of Property Development. It also went through our um, in-house attorney, our um, procurement department, um, and, and an additional department. Those red lines did come back, and I did send those to uh, the neighborhood group, and then we uh, did not hear back until the mediator did reach out to us, and uh, there was the concerns of the hours of operation but uh, we have pretty much agreed to everything in the good neighbor agreement and have the hours of operation in there. And they are a placeholder until the hours of operations are confirmed by our operations side. Okay, thank you. And then I have one more question, um, maybe for you. So um, my question is, is the document of deliberation from planning board and the document of deliberation goes over the fact that we have a um, planning board hearing tomorrow mm -hmm. for the neighborhood plan for this whole entire area. And I believe it was me who brought this actually rezoning to your guys' attention during the neighborhood planning process. And so it feels a little bit like there was this disconnect from this planning process that had been happening for two years. 
um, this rezoning that actually had been in this, it started right around the same time the neighborhood planning process started um, to be on, in, in my COVID memory of being virtual and trying to remember things in the past four years. So we can't, we're not supposed to take into consideration a, a plan that's not adopted. We have to go over your presentation because this neighborhood plan that has been worked on diligently for two years by my neighborhood, we're not supposed to take that into consideration right now as we deliberate, even though that plan is going before planning board tomorrow. Correct, yeah, I think, and that, as we read in the planning board, that was their struggle, was that while they recommended unanimous approval, they struggled that there is a current planning process happening. Um, that, and I will admit that once that plan is adopted, there probably will be clear guidance and what exists today around um, the recommendations for the site and along Federal Boulevard. All right, thank you. I see other many other people here, Madam President, and I might come back in, in the okay. later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, excuse me. Uh, first of all, I looked on the, maybe for Carolyn or Emily or a representative from Raising Kings. Uh, there is one of these near me at Wadsworth and Bellevue. Your website actually has it at Wadsworth and Yale. So you might want to tell, you know, they want, might, might want to re relocate that little pin. But I noticed that the hours of operation are 10 to 11, 10 a.m. to 11 p.m., Sunday through Thursday, and then 10 to midnight, 10 a.m. to midnight, Friday and Saturday. So it seems that maybe that's the more common hours of operation based on what we heard about the one on over in Wheat Ridge as well. Uh, so I, you might want to uh, consider that in what the neighborhood was asking. Uh, Carolyn, do you know, I'm looking at the, uh, the site plan here and the drive-through entrance off of 49th Avenue, is there some kind of a common use agreement with the uh, gas station and convenience store that's there? That, I, I, I think that might be a question head, yes. for Emily Felton, actually. Because you can't get to their the Raising Cane's driveway without going on the property of the... Right. Of the, May so, I ask Emily to answer that, please? Yes, please. Thank you. Emily Felton for the update. Um, there is a reciprocal, um, there's an emergency access easement, uh -huh. and we are improving that driveway to current standards. Okay. Um, both driveways, actually. Okay, thank you. This isn't strictly a drive-through restaurant, though, is it? Does that indoor seating? Correct, and patio. Okay. Does it meet the uh, parking requirements for uh, a building of that capacity? There's 17 parking spots. Yes. I've been in the one near me, and I would think that on a Friday night, you would need a lot more than that. Is there a plan for overflow parking? Um, we have done a detailed study in this area. And so I'm not exactly sure of the square footage of the one near you, but um, this, mm -hmm. the, the capacity of the drive-through, the capacity of the building, mm -hmm. um, and then the building footprint also warrants how many we can have. Okay, thank you. And Carolyn, mm -hmm. you mentioned, and this struck me as well, that I, I question, first of all, why do they need this rezoning? Because the B3 allows this to happen. But uh, there's a, a policy that if there's a new development, that the city wants you to rezone, if it's old code, into the new code. 2010. Is that council member? That is that's one part of it. The maybe, other maybe Libby can address I mean, maybe that. Maybe Libby better. can answer that. If I just want to say the other part of it is 
the way that the site is split. Yes, with the P1. It, it really means that you couldn't use the P1 part of it at all. If you if you okay. tried to develop this use under the old zoning without rezoning, right. notwithstanding the city's policy in favor of rezoning to the new code, where the where the line is drawn, right. there's this whole sliver of the site that would sort of be unusable and you would um, okay. I'm, a, I'm a little confused though that because the P1 line, the building itself is not within the P1 area. It is right, but the, it, actually, the way I read the code, and I'd be interested in Libby's interpretation, P1 is for parking as a primary use. So you couldn't do the drive-through lane. I, okay. I think it's questionable. Okay, maybe Libby, you could address that. Yeah, my understanding is that it only allows for parking uses okay. in that P1. So, so not the drive-through, the queuing, and I the don't believe and so. ordering kiosks yeah, and all that. I don't believe so. Okay, thank you. Uh, I believe that's those are the only questions I have. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Councilwoman Sawyer. Thank you, Madam President. Oh, can you guys see me? You cannot see me. There we yeah, go. Um, and I really, I just quickly want to say thanks so much um, for uh, emailing me the plan that was passed out to everyone else so I could take a look at it. Um, so I think this is a question for Emily. Um, as I'm looking at the plan, I'm I'm wondering. Um, which street, Elliott or 49th, has lower traffic volume? Today? Correct. Elliott has lower traffic volume. Okay. So Dottie has a policy. Um, the, our Department of Transportation and Infrastructure has a policy that the ingress and egress um, on new developments needs to go to the lowest um utilized street, which in this case would be Elliott, but your site plan has the ingress and egress on 49th. Have you talked to Dottie about that? Yeah, so good good question. So we've worked intimately with Dottie, with CDOT, um, and just with the transportation department in general. We've, we've focused on all their comments. I believe the specific reason um, for that is because of the residential nature of Elliott Street. And so our goal is not to introduce more traffic into the neighbors. This is an existing commercial corridor. And as you can see with the other zones, um, there's commercial to the north of us and then there's commercial also um, to the west of us. And so it made the most sense with this site. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate that we have, we have worked with Dottie on this. And then our TEP is also at the stage where it's approved pending this rezoning. Okay, so to be very clear, because that this was not in my experience with Dottie with um, a very similar situation in my district mm -hmm. um, in a rezoning about a year and a half ago. So to be very clear, Dottie has in writing approved that this plan um, will allow for ingress and egress on 49th and not on Elliott. In writing, we have approval that we are allowed access off of 49th and federal. I do not believe we have in writing anything particularly about Elliott Street, but I can tell you that both of our accesses as shown on the site plan are permitted. Okay, great. Thank you so much. That was my question. Thanks, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Alvidrez. Thank you, Council President. Um, I just had a couple of questions about the site plan. Whoever could speak to that. Um, 
Do they own both parcels? Sorry if that was already talked about. Do they own both parcels? They do not. Okay, so they're just having an easement with the gas station for access? Yes, for access of uh, cars and then emergency access vehicles. Okay. Um, and then I noticed there's no sidewalk on the, what is the south side? Is there a reason? Yes, so um, CDOT, own, so this is I-70, um, just south of us, and so that's the, the ramp. Like I said, we've worked with CDOT on what they wanted to see here. What they did want to see is a pedestrian connection improvement at the intersection. They did not want to introduce pedestrian traffic along the I-70 corridor. So going on the south side of the site, they did not feel like it was safe to introduce pedestrian traffic in that area. Okay. Um, I think that's it, thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. Council President, thank you. Councilman Hines. Thank you, Council President. Um, I, so I, I'm a little concerned about uh, the lack of a signed good neighbor agreement and um, because this is the last opportunity for council to um, to to weigh in on the project, so I guess uh, uh, Ms. Glake, does the SDP process? Do, is there any point in the SDP process where they consider um, whether a good neighbor agreement is is executed? No. So the um, the good neighbor agreement is solely between the app or the neighbors and the applicant. So the city is not a party to that. Yep. Okay. And um, uh, have you, well, I'm going to ask you anyway, I guess, oh, actually, um, we have the city attorney's office. So maybe this is a, a legal question. Um, has, uh, in, in your, to your knowledge, um, have members uh, considered the lack of a good neighbor agreement a matter of public health, safety, and welfare, welfare and therefore uh, want a good neighbor agreement executed as a matter of public health, safety, and welfare? Uh, thank you for the question, council member. Um, good evening, members of council, Nathan Lucero, assistant city attorney. And um, your question, just so I understand it, is whether or not um, this body, city council, has considered whether or not there's a good neighbor agreement as part of the Review criteria? Yeah, is is a GNA part of the five re review criteria, or is that completely separate? Should we not consider the uh, the execution or lack of execution of a GNA? Yeah, that that's a separate question because, as Libby said, that's that's that would be an, an agreement between the neighborhood and and the developer or the owner of the property, and so this body is is charged with reviewing just the criteria as it relates to the city's rules and regulations and ordinances. Got it, thank you. Thank you, Council President. Thank you, Councilman Cashman. Yeah, thank you, Council President. I don't know whether it's for Libby or, or John, just wondering what flexibility do we have to possibly delay this? Um, and the wait to hear about, I mean, we're getting plan guidance, at least from the planning board tomorrow. It seems insane to, I mean, the, the whole neighborhood has been working, I'm guessing, for a year and a half on a, on a more current plan. And it would seem to me to make sense. So I'm wondering what flexibility we have to postpone. Attorney question. Council member, is, is your question 
Um, can we postpone this to a date certain? You could, but I'm not <coughs> sure the reason why you would postpone. Because we have old plan guidance and we know that we'll have new plan guidance after an extensive community process very, very soon, possibly as soon as tomorrow. Councilmember, the application was submitted with with the plans that are currently in place. Mm -hmm. um, and so tonight you're you're asked to to review it against the existing criteria and the existing plans that have been adopted. There's no guarantee that um, that the proposed plan will be pa passed by this council. So in my opinion, you ought to take a look at what you have before you and the plans that are currently in place. I understand that, I appreciate that. But can we postpone? Well, I defer to Mr. Griffin. <laughs> wow, one attorney to the other. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Jonathan Griffin, Deputy Legislative Council. Uh, yes, it's within your prerogative if you like to postpone this hearing to a date certain. That's certainly allowed. Okay. Thank you. That's all, Madam President. Thank you. Um, I've got a question. Um, number one, uh, what I think is a trigger is low. I'm waiting for the area venue. Council President, does your microphone? Microphone. Are? Thank you. You are our mic check guy over there. Thank you so much. Um, one of the slippery slope things that I'm wondering about, and we wouldn't know because we haven't reviewed um, the far Northwest uh, plan is um, whether it changes anything um, as it relates to the interpretation of this particular area. Is that right? Um, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the drafts are fairly final, but it'll still go to planning board Wednesday and then it doesn't come to city council until I believe January. So changes could be made in between those times as well. Okay, thank you for that. Um, on the uh, hours of operation question, um, Luann, do you have other locations um, in Denver that have a 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., maybe even 1 a.m. close time? And where are those? So we do have four other Denver locations. Um, they do, I can't speak to the exact hours. Unfortunately, I don't have those in front of me, but they do range, I believe, from midnight to 2 a.m. is what I believe they are Okay. for Denver. And does anyone know the hours of operation of the gas station the annie's that's shares that that lot yes it's, they are 24 hours okay the neighbors mm -hmm. thank you for that um question wise i don't think i have any more councilwoman sandoval you're back up yes thank you i forgot my question Sorry, I've been had a long day, colleagues. I got in a severe car accident this morning, so my um, my mind is just not working very well. So just have a little patience <laughs> with me. I'm so sorry. I'm not normally like this. Um, what was my question? I just had it. Um, I think I'm fine, Council President. You're good. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Um, seeing no more questions. Oh, Councilman Gonzalez Gutierrez, no? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Sorry. All right. Last call for questions, everybody. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so sorry, President. I just wanted to clarify when um, you're talking about the Jenny's Market, the gas station there, yes. a lot of that traffic is on the on the um, federal side of that gas station. So I just wanted to make sure that people were aware of that because I drive down that street every day. My parents live down over there, so I take my kids over there all the time. Um, but it's um, it's on the on the federal side, so it's not as much traffic on the back side of that because people where all the um, the gas station, the gas pumps are on that side. So I just wanted to make sure that was noted. Um, and I think the, the, the last thing I'll just say is that, um, you know, on this um, rezoning, I, I know, you know, there are specific requirements um, or criteria that we're to consider. And, and the, again, like this is one of those things that as we continue the conversation around what those criteria are, um, and I know that those conversations are going forward. I think looking at, you know, a couple of things that, that you know, came up as concerns here that, you know, could be considered um, health and safety, you know, when you have residents who are being kept up um, at late hours because of noise. Um, I can certainly see that. I, I can attest to that from my own parents who live also like a block in from federal. Um, and, and have had that with like the Taco Bell that's right there. Um, and so I know that that is a real thing um, that people experience when there are those kinds of businesses and they're operating at late hours. And so I'm really asking and urging that that is considered because what I'm hearing is that that is one of the things that the neighborhood is really asking for. And so I really hope that all things considered that that is, is one of the things um, that can be looked at. The last thing I'll say on this whole thing is that when you know I saw this coming too, I counted how many fast food restaurants there are in like a two block, two or three block um, you know, distance. There are eight. Councilwoman, do you have a question? No, I'm sorry. Okay. Is this, is, I'm sorry, am I hold on the wrong comment. time? Yep, hold I'm for sorry. That's all right. <laughs> okay, if there are no other questions, the public hearing is closed. <laughs> Q&A for comments. Comments now by members of council on Council Bill 1483. Thank you, everybody, for answering questions. Let's start with Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. And sorry, colleagues. I, seriously, I had like a really bad headache. So I'll try to be brief in my comments, but just give me some grace this evening. Um, so... I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place on this one. Um, I have been hearing complaints about the abandoned village in since 2015, since I was a council aide of people experiencing homelessness, living in dumpsters, Jenny's Market, people um, using the parking lot. And when I was contacted about this in 20, 2001, the neighborhood plan had just started for Northwest Denver, and I was excited to see an abandoned use along um, I-70 and Federal actually come to fruition. If you look at the site map, Raising Canes is actually doing a lot of the work that is called out in Vision Zero. They're creating a tree lawn along Federal. They are adding a median, which has been called out since I've been trying to work on since 2015. 
um, they're putting a sound wall up and doing mediation along the I-70 off-ramp. And if you've ever been there, um, it's not a it's not a great place to get off the I-70. I take it every night when I leave here. I take I-70 to federal and I get off on federal because I live off of 46th and federal. Um, it's another challenging situation because there's no active registered neighborhood organization in this area. Paul and Joan have really attempted to get them active and they just are not. They, I feel like Paul and Joan have lived on an island by themselves fighting this battle for a while. And so I feel for them. I also feel for my constituents who have been part of the neighborhood planning initiative that goes to planning board tomorrow um, that we have been working on for, I wish it was a year and a half. It's going on almost two years and it will be even longer two years when this gets adopted in January because we had to take a pause because we needed some guidance. And in that adopted plan, there is lots of recommendations. Federal was talked about this entire time. It was talked about having the design overlay, the active street use and design overlay that I created for Tennyson, which some of my colleagues are using for Colfax to be implemented along nodes on federal. And unfortunately, this isn't one of those nodes. It would be further down on 50th and 49th. It wouldn't be off of the off-ramp on I-70. Um, and so I am normally really on top of my rezonings and um, I offered facilitation mediation and it was uh, too late. It was during Thanksgiving, which was really hard for people to come together. And another thing that makes this super challenging is federal is a high injury network and it has been for a really long time. And this particular spot needs some love. And so I'm here with the development that's actually going to implement some of the things that are called out in the neighborhood plan that you all are coming forward. Yet at the same time, when I think about health, safety and welfare, do we need another raising canes in Denver? Do I need another fast food corridor? This is literally the only place in Northwest Denver that has fast food in it. It has a Taco Bell, as many of you have heard. It has a Wendy's, it has a, and it has a Good Times, um, and a Burger King across the street. Nowhere else in Council District 1 do you have any type of chain restaurants like that. You just don't. You go to the north side, you go to Highland to go to... Loja, you go to Highland to go to, I'll say shout out to La Casita, you go to Loja Highland to go to some of the, like we have Michelin star restaurants in Northwest Denver right now. And are, do we need another fast food restaurant in Northwest Denver? So with that long, long story that I have just told, I'm going to have to be a no this evening because I just, it's, even though we have it says it goes with our current plans. It does go against the health, safety, and welfare. And I just have to continue to advocate for Chaffee Park. This is the second time they've had a rezoning since I have been working in the council district. And I've been a council aide. I was a council aide. I started with the city in 2012. And this neighborhood is, this is the only time they've had a rezoning. The other rezoning they had was on 49th and Zunai, which they thought it was going to be a small little node, um, little restaurant nook area for a coffee shop, and now it turned into apartments. And so this neighborhood needs support. I have a movie in the park here every year for this neighborhood because it needs love. 
I give them extra attention because they don't have an active neighborhood organization like the rest of my council district. And I just do not feel like this meets the criteria of health, safety, and welfare when I think about it sitting from my vantage point of the council person um, who represents this area. And normally I'm much more eloquent. I got in a severe car accident on I-70 early this morning in the mountains at Eisenhower. So please forgive my long-winded um, inability to really be focused tonight. Um, so thank you all for the grace tonight. Thank, thank you, Madam you. President. Councilman Gonzalez-Cathieres. Thank you, Madam President. And I apologize for um, my mess up earlier. You're I really thought it was my last opportunity to say something. <laughs> Um, and Councilwoman Sandoval, I'm really sorry to hear about that. I know I just talked to you yesterday, so I'm really sorry. Um, no, I, and I was going along the same lines around the cons consideration of health, safety, and welfare, and you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, there are at least at, that I can count right off the top of my head, eight different fast food type restaurants. Um, I guess nine if you count Winchell's um, in just that small span. Of, of area and you know having grown up in in the neighborhood and you know trying to find healthy options um you know when you're going down a main corridor i think is also equally important you know when we're talking about there are other kind of quote unquote fast food maybe healthier options um that you know i don't know if those are ever available but i i also am concerned around you know what the traffic then would look like for the community the neighbors that are right there i mean they're right right next to the highway where they already experience lots of noise and pollution i don't know that it's um the right thing to do to continue to jeopardize their health and safety by um, continuing to promote um to promote that kind of um noise and traffic um right there across the street from them um, and so I will also be a no on this. And um, thank you, Councilwoman Sandoval, for all of the work. I know that, that you tried to um, help out with this, and I completely agree. Like something needs to happen here, but I do think that it needs to be right for the community and um, hopefully with the community from the beginning. So thank you. Thank you very much. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, listening to uh... Uh, the other speaker's comment, I'm a little troubled uh, that uh, with a finding that it, uh, uh, health, safety, and welfare is at issue when uh, this kind of a development would be allowed by the existing zoning in the first place. Uh, going into the new code uh, causes us to have to look at the criteria anew without the new neighborhood plan in place. Uh, and different guidance, uh, we're really left to make a vote based on the guidance that we have now. I don't know what the appetite would be, uh, uh, Councilwoman Sandoval, for uh, to postpone this to a date certain so that the neighborhood and the applicant can negotiate a good neighbor agreement that would address the health, safety, and welfare concerns. Uh, but given that it meets uh, given that this would be an allowed uh, redevelopment of the site, uh, rather than have an empty village in there for even longer, because if this is turned down, it would be two years, I think. Nate uh, Lucero, is that correct? It would be about two years if we turn this down for another application for rezoning, if we deny a rezoning. Is that... Uh... I didn't mean to ask another question. I know. 
I just want to make sure my comment is correct. I, I thought it was two years, maybe it's one year. <laughs> I believe it's 12 months. 12 months, so a year. So the neighborhood would be stuck with another vacant village in building for another year before new, another application could even begin. Uh, so given those factors, um, I would be a reluctant yes tonight if we had to vote on it, but if, uh, if folks were open to a postponement uh, to give the neighborhood and the applicant a chance to work out the health, safety, and welfare concerns, uh, I, would, I would much rather be a yes on that. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Chan. I'm gonna phone a lawyer. Can I ask you a question and add, Nate, this might go to you. Is it, you can't rezone for one year or you can't reason use the same zone district for one year? Because it's very, it's very nuanced in the zoning code with that calls out, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to jump in here, Council. Yeah. If we're going to ask questions, we need to reopen the hearing. Yeah. We reopen the hearing. Okay. <laughs> sorry. And Council President, don't forget your microphone. can try to re-ask the question. So if you have a zone district and it gets denied, can the rezoning be applied? Can you, the same property be rezoned for a different zone district within a year? Yes. So, so it's they, just a blackout as it applies to this zone district that's being proposed now. So if ESS3X were to fail and a different prop, a different zone district came back in 12 months to a different, let's uh, let's say EMX 2X, that would, that blackout, just we're on the record, that blackout for 12 months does not apply, correct? Correct, because the, um, your review of the criteria might be different for a different zone, zone district. Zone district, thank you. Thank sure. you, Madam President. Okay, seeing no <laughs> other questions. I do, I do want to make a comment real quick before I ask. Um, Council President, you're muted. Or... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry, everybody. We are, we are a fumbly mess tonight. Um, I, I am inclined to vote in favor based on what we know right now, but I do want to ask um, the, the councilwoman if she was interested in a postponement and what that would look like. Because... It may go to planning board tomorrow, but it does not come to council tomorrow. Correct. Um, I would be open to a postponement if we could get to a good signed good neighbor agreement. How much time do you think you might need? Well, um, or you think would be needed? You're not a party to it, but I know. Yeah. Uh, considering Christmas is in three weeks, probably. January 8th, like if we are looking to a date certain, we would have to give it five weeks. Yeah, um, let me double check on um, what we have that day. We have three hearings that evening. All right. Um, 
Shannon, can you clear the queue? I think those are old in my queue. Thank you very much. Um, my commentary was going to be around um, what we've got before us, but I think um, I'm hearing folks interested in uh, postponing to January 8th. Um, is there anybody that wants to offer a motion to postpone to January 8th? I could offer you a motion, Council President. Um, I'd like to make a motion to postpone Bill 231483 to January 8th, 2024. Um, Madam Secretary, are we good to consider this motion at this time? Okay, yes, I just put in the, the language and I'll oh, get that did. up, sorry. Thank you for that. Um, and we had a mover and a seconder. Um, Councilman Hines, you're in queue. Yep, thank you. Um, I think one of the conversations about uh, the good neighbor agreement uh, was about closing times. And I looked at the 12 most, uh, 12 closest locations to this and one closes at 10, three close at 11, four close at midnight, three close at 1 a.m. and one closes at 2 a.m. So I just wanted to put that there. Of course, I would encourage the applicants to verify my work, but um, uh, but I think because that was a central, um, or one of the, I think the first point brought up about the good neighbor agreement, I just wanted to put that out there so, um, so people could have it in their discussion. Thank you for that. Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. Those are posted hours. And as someone who lives four blocks away, three blocks away, and oftentimes comes home late, I will verify Taco Bell's not open, Wendy's is not open, Good Times is not open, Burger King is not open. They seem to have a staffing shortage, so I also have had my staff look online to do the same assessment. And, and it, so we can't just look at posted hours, we have to actually do more. That's why I've asked for six longer time because um, it's just, that's not the reality of that quarter right now. But thank you. Okay. Seeing no one else in queue, we have a motion before us to postpone to January 8th. Um, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sawyer? Aye. Alvidras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sand Sand Sandoval? Aye. Uh, Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Council, res uh, Council Bill 1483 is postponed until January 8th. That'll be at 5.30 p.m. We'll see um, the applicant and the neighbors again at that time with hopefully new information. Okay, thank you everyone. Um, one moment. Okay, that concludes the unfinished business. So that was the stuff we didn't get to last week. So thank you everybody for your patience. Um, we have in our regular course of business, uh, we have one proclamation being read this evening. Uh, Councilwoman Romero Campbell, will you please read proclamation 23-1905? Yes, thank you. Um, thank you, Madam President. Um, proclamation 
in honor of Zonta says no to violence against women and children, women and girls. Whereas we citizens embracing and striving towards equality recognize that the worldwide problem of violence against women occurs even here in Denver, Colorado. And whereas gender violence is traumatic to the body, mind and spirit and can prevent people from being fully active participants at home and in the world. And whereas the health of parents and caregivers is critical to the overall health and well-being of their families and the larger community. And whereas gender violence costs the nation billions of dollars annually in medical expenses, police and court costs, shelters and foster care, sick leave, absenteeism and non-productivity. And whereas we recognize the gains that have been made in ending gender violence. And whereas in spite of the progress that has been made, we need only to look at our newspapers or watch a television newscast to see the unfortunate truth that gender violence has not yet been eliminated here in Denver, nor around the world. And whereas the Zonta Club of Denver continues to come together to raise awareness, stimulate discussion and advocate for local solutions that will curb gender violence. And whereas these local groups join thousands of other groups from around the world in asserting that the right of women and men to be free of violence is a fundamental human right. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Council of the City and County of Denver, Section 1, that the Council of the City and County of Denver proclaim the 16 days between International Day to Eliminate Violence Against Women on November 25th and the International Human Rights Day on December 10th as the 16 days of activism against gender violence. During these 16 days, all citizens are urged to support those who work to end gender violence and to participate to learn about the detrimental consequences gender violence has on the well-being of the community. Section two, that the clerk and of the city and county of Denver shall affix the seal of the city and county of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to the Zonta Club of Denver. Thank you so much. Your motion to adopt, Councilwoman Romero-Campbell? Yes. Oh, yes, I make a motion to adopt. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council. We'll start with Councilwoman Romero-Campbell. Thank you, um, Madam President. I and thank you to the Zonta Club members that are here tonight and for your patience and participation in this civic activity today. Uh, I wanna thank you. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting with Petty, uh, Penny Burke, who is a resident in District 4 and um, got to learn more about uh, this proclamation um, request as well as the work that the Zonta Club um, does. And just briefly, for those who are not familiar with the Zonta Club, um, it's a member, they are members of an international um, organization and a leading global organization of professionals working together to empower women worldwide through service and advocacy. Um, they are members of a cross um, section of business and professional leaders who volunteer their time, inspiration, and financial support for the betterment of the community and the world. Um, I think it's pretty remarkable some of the work that they've done. I had the opportunity to speak with some of you as well, um, but the advocacy, the service, the philanthropy, 
the scholarships and the kinship um, for the betterment of women and girls is just really fantastic. So thank you for what you do in the community. I know that you all have volunteered time um, and your funds to support organizations such as Siwi, Heart and Hand, uh, the Baby Haven, um, the Blue Bench, and even making period kits. So thank you very much for all the work that you do in our community. And thank you for bringing um, this forward for me to be able to participate with you today. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. And thank you for being here. Uh, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Sorry, my screen is frozen right now. Sawyer? Aye. Alvitras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 13 ayes. 13 ayes. Proclamation 1905 has been adopted. And Councilwoman Romero Campbell, we have time for accept proclamation acceptance if you'd like to invite someone up. Thank you, Madam President. I'd like to invite up um, Mary Benoit and anyone else in your, if you, if you're, the rest of your group would like to come up, yes, please come up and introduce yourself. A little side note, um, in my conversation with Mary, also a former resident of District 4, and her son and I went to high school together. So thank you. Thank you so much for this, for recognizing the problem and, you know, standing behind us and all of the women who suffer every day from violence and also their young children, their girls and boys. So I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks. We all appreciate right. it. I think Councilman Romero Campbell will probably meet you to give you copies of the proclamation. Okay. Very good. Um, we have three public hearings tonight. Please note that the required public hearing on 23-1485 has been postponed until next week, Monday, December 11th, during the 3.30 uh, PM session. As a reminder, council members will need to turn on your video. Sorry, let me confirm that. Shannon, we postponed it to the 3.30 session. It should be 5.30. During the 3.30 session. We'll have a public hearing during the 3.30 session? No. No, I think it's postponed to the 5.30. Yeah. During the 3.30. Okay. 2530. Thank you very much. Um, Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1466 on the floor for final passage? Yes, Council President. I move that Council Bill 23-1466 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you for that. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 1466 is open. May we have the staff report? CPD. Who's presenting? Okay. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Matthew Bossler, and I'm a senior city planner from the Community Planning and Development Department. Today, I'm presenting a rezoning request for 3216 North High Street, 
which is an applicant-driven application to request a zone district that allows for urban houses and accessory dwelling units. So we'll start here with a little bit more detail on the request. Subject property is 15,800 square feet and is located on the east side of North High Street between East Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and East 33rd Avenue. The specific request of the applicant is to rezone from PUD 595 to the USUA1 zone district. This zone district is in the urban neighborhood context and allows for the urban house building form uh, with a minimum lot size of 3,000 square feet, as well as the detached accessory dwelling unit building form. The applicant's intention is to build five single family lots, each with ADUs. Now moving to the location and context. Zooming out, the property is located in Council District 9 in the Cole neighborhood. The existing zoning is PUD number 595, which was based on Chapter 59 R2 zone district, which allows for residential uses. More specifically, the PUD allowed for the continuation of use as a private health clinic in a building that has since been demolished. The subject property is surrounded by other USU districts, as seen in yellow here, and most immediately surrounded by USUA1, which is the district to which this applicant is seeking to rezone. The property is currently vacant. Uh, predominant land uses of properties surrounding it are single unit residential and public, quasi-public, with some multi-unit residential as you look at surrounding blocks. Property is located here in red. The top street view photo is how the site appears today as a vacant lot, with the thumbnail below it demonstrating what the building footprint of the old clinic looked like before demolition. The existing built context surrounding the property consists of one and two story houses on 25 foot and 37 and a half foot wide lots. Now let's look at the rezoning process that led to today's hearing. Prior to submitting the application, the applicant conducted outreach with impacted RNOs, neighbors, and Council District 9, which at that time was represented by Councilperson C. DeBacco. Through an email exchange, one neighbor wished for the applicant to relay general support for more ADUs in the neighborhood to City Council and asked further for quest uh, on questions related to affordability. Following the application submittal, the rezoning process kicked off with informational notice sent on June 26th this year. Planning board notice was given on August 22nd and the associated public hearing occurred on September 20th. Planning board recommended approval unanimously on the consent agenda. And today, uh, following the Ludi committee on, the, on October 10th, we're conducting a public hearing in front of city council. Since the application posted, CBD hasn't received any public comments. So moving on to review criteria. We've reviewed the application to rezone to USUA1 against all five review criteria, starting with the consistency of adopted plans. The two, the two applicable plans are Comp Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver. The application meets several of Comp Plan's equity and climate goals by creating housing near transit, creating a greater mix of housing, creating infill development where infrastructure and services are already in place, and creating places for residents to live as part of a mixed-use community. 
As far as blueprint is concerned, the property's future neighborhood context is urban. Its future place is low residential where ADUs are appropriate with attention paid to compatibility and buildings are limited to 2.5 stories in height. The future street type is uh, local or undesignated for North High Street, which is characterized by adjacent residential uses. Its growth strategy, I'm sorry, its growth area strategy is all other areas of the city, which allows for 20% housing growth by 2040. And finally, uh, Blueprint's housing policy four calls for expansion of ADUs throughout all residential areas. Moving on to the next two review criteria, the rezoning would result in uniform application of district regulations in respect to the aforementioned plans, as well as other pertinent rules and regulations. And it would further public health, safety, and welfare by implementing adopted plans and adding housing that is compatibly integrated into the neighborhood. The justifying circumstance for this rezoning is the adoption of Blueprint Denver in 2019 since the property was last zoned. And as described earlier, Blueprint recommends diversifying housing choice through expansion of ADUs throughout all residential areas. Lastly, we look to consistency with neighborhood context, zone district purpose, and intent. Overall, the proposed rezoning to allow for ADUs is consistent with the urban neighborhood context that exists in the surrounding area, as well as with the USUA1 zone district purpose and intent. It would promote and protect residential neighborhoods within this context, and the standards and uses of the district would work together to maintain the single unit character of the street. So with all this in mind, CPD recommends approval based on meeting all the criteria for rezoning. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Um, the applicant here is here also to answer questions, um, as well as Victoria Sanderson from uh, DDPHE. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. We have one person signed up to speak this evening. Um, Jason Behill. No one else is signed to speak. Um, he's here to answer questions, but... Um, Since we have him on the list, would you mind just making that same statement, sure. please? Sure. And then we can go to questions. Madam President and the rest of the city council, thank you for having me. I'm here to answer any questions if you guys have any. And just introduce yourself for the record. Jason V. Hill. Great. Thank you, thank you very much, Jason. Um, questions, uh, members of council. Thank you. You can go ahead and sit down. Uh, Councilman Watson. Thank you, Council President. And Jason, do you mind uh, staying up for a second? And Matthew, I may have a question for you as well. Uh, I know that the, uh, the coal RO is rebuilding. I mean, they are beginning to have meetings, I believe they're quarterly. What was your response back from any of the uh, members from the cold neighborhood for your, what, describe your outreach to the cold neighborhood. I walked the streets around the area and listed every address within 200 feet. And I sent individual um, letters to each address and then also we looked up the registered neighborhood organizations and, and outreach to them through email. So I'm not specific, uh, knowing specifically about the coal Arno, but um, there's, I believe, I don't have my notes in front of you, I'm sorry. Um, only one that reached back out and that was um, a gentleman by the name of Adnan, I believe. And he's the one that requested me to speak about um, his wish to see more ADUs in the neighborhood. All right, thank you. And, and Matthew, do you know if 
Whittier has reached out to or Clayton. What, uh, any other RNOs, registered neighbor organizations? I mean, there's nothing listed that there were responses back, but I was just curious from your perspective. And if you don't mind coming on up. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, we have a list, of course, of the RNOs that are, uh, you know, uh, obligated to be contacted. Um, the Whittier Neighborhood Association is one of those, um, yeah. but I don't believe there was a response. We didn't, we didn't hear back. Okay. Jason, um, question for you also on the environmental quality cleanup. Uh, I know that may not be, um, uh, you may not have gone too deep into that. Maybe Matthew will, can follow up on that, but I know that there was a view of uh, possible contamination with the soil. I see there was a, an outcome of sorts. Can you share kind of what steps that you're familiar with that was taken to ensure that the, uh, the soil was remediated? Uh, yeah, so as far as the uh, Superfund side, I think yeah. what you're speaking about, there was no mediation done at the time when that was being done in the neighborhood. And I, I believe from what I've come up with, at least with that, it was because it was a commercial site. Yeah. Um, so what we did now that the land is vacant, um, we took three different soil samples from different areas of the lot. I made sure that the samples were taken from areas where the land was exposed before the, the building was taken down and also underneath where the building was and then another area of the lot. So. Um, we took those samples to Colorado Analytical, and they analyzed the soil, and they determined that the soil was safe for lead and arsenic um, contamination. Perfect. At least it didn't meet the levels for uh, mediation at the time. And, and I read that in the staff report. I thought that was um, helpful that that updated August report had that information. One final question, Matthew, for you on the height. Can you share once again, I know you, um, stated it um, for, I mean, USU A1 provides for a certain height, but the, the single family home surrounding, can you describe that once again? And then also kind of what the USU A1, well, how high, how tall could those, um, um, uh, that development, those single family housing um, uh, go? And then the ADUs as well. What's the height? Sure, sure, sure. Allowed? So the um, single family homes or single unit, um, you know, urban homes uh, can be 2.5 stories and 30 feet in height, mm -hmm. and the ADUs can be two stories or 24 feet in height. Okay. Okay. Uh, Madam President, no further questions. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Jason. And Jason, once again, thank you for reaching out to our office as well. You're welcome. Thank you. Councilman Cashman. Yeah, thank you, uh, Council President. Uh, Jason, uh, looks like the property is about three and a half times the size of the uh, A1 lot is the intention um, i think it's actually maybe five times you might need Jason, to write do you mind mic. yeah oh. no no you come to the mic yeah. i i think it's so you're saying that the yeah properties, I, I think I'm, it's five get, times is your intention then to subdivide into multiple lots yes that is the rezoning uh, purpose to get five lots on the current lots great Correct. thank you very much so i'll need to know thank you Seeing no one else for questions, uh, public hearing is, is closed. Comments by members of council on Bill 1466. We'll start with Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Council President. Uh, first one to share, uh, Jason, I appreciate you reaching out to our, our office. I, I, and, and I'll share for the public's notice, because if you saw a few of the other rezonings, um, most of our neighborhoods throughout Denver have 
um, have participated in either a neighborhood plan uh, initiative process or currently has a neighborhood plan. Um, Cole, Whittier, and several other neighborhoods surrounding uh, this property, we do not. I mean, Whittier, we had a plan from 1998 that I participated in that was never adopted by council. It was just simply added to the former blueprint. And so the focus for this uh, development is Blueprint Denver, a comprehensive plan from 2019. Um, I can share from a, as a neighbor that participated in that process and one that lives adjacent to this property in Whittier, um, uh, not only does it meet the criteria, I think neighbors are, are very excited about this opportunity to have not only the single family zoning on this um, empty lot, that has been empty for a second, and then also the accessory dwelling units to add additional gentle density. Um, so my comments are, are, I think this is uh, uh, the work that your team did with the ability to reach out to neighborhoods limited as far as um, um, uh, specific planning that, that could guide you. Um, I think you, your, your team did a, a good job of reaching out to us, trying to, uh, to uh, meet with the neighbors in Cole, also doing an outreach to the Whittier neighbors. So um, I will be supporting this and I'm encouraging uh, my colleagues to do so as well. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Madam President. Um, as I look at this, I just want to note for the property owner, I I'm supportive. It meets all the criteria um, for the zoning half of this process when it comes to ADUs. Building those ADUs is not going to be allowed. Speculative development um, with ADUs is um, not allowed in the city and county of Denver when you get to sort of part B of the ADU process, which is the, the site plan process. Um, the property owner has to reside on the property in order to build, in order to receive a permit to build an ADU. So um, I wanna just be very clear for the public watching at home because I think that there's been a little bit of confusion here. Um, the plan that this developer wants to do, which is to split the lot, build five houses with five ADUs, that is not allowed in the city of Denver. Um, and so just wanna be very clear that um, there are two processes that you have to go to to build an accessory dwelling unit in Denver. The first one is the zoning process, and that is the five criteria that we are looking at tonight. And this does meet the five criteria um, that we're looking at tonight. But in the second side of the process, the site planning process, um, that's that's not gonna happen. So just wanna um, flag that for you as a plan for the future, and also just make clear to the public who's watching tonight um, that the laws of the city and county of Denver when it comes to ADUs have not changed. Um, and that in order to, receive a permit to build an ADU, you have to be um, residing, the property owner residing on the property. Thanks. Thank you for that. Seeing no one else in queue, um, I'll also be supporting, um, thank you and thank you Councilwoman for um, making that clarification known. I think one of the things that we are also looking for is consistency and um, the rest of the neighborhood was also A1, um, but it also saves the future homeowner um, the trouble of having to rezone their individual property for an ADU if they choose to build one in the future. So, um, Madam Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 1466. Sawyer? Aye. Alvitras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. 
Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 12 ayes. 12 ayes. Council Bill 1466 has passed. Thank you very much for being here. Um, our second hearing, Councilman Flynn, no, Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1481 on the floor for final passage? Yes, thank you very much, Madam President. I move the Council Bill 23-1481 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 1481 is open. Um, may we have the staff report? Hi. Sure. Good evening, Council. My name is Will Prince. I uh, will be presenting 560 South Emerson Street, uh, number 2023I, case number 72, request from USUB to USB1. We'll go over the requests, location and context, process, and finally review criteria. Um, this is property is a single unit residential property, 4,760 square feet. And the request again is uh, from urban single unit B1 to urban, excuse me, from urban single, single unit B to urban single unit B1 uh, to allow for an ADU. This zone district allows the urban house as well as the accessory dwelling units for a max height of uh, 30 to 35 feet for the urban house and 24 feet for the ADU um, and a requirement of a 4,500 square foot minimum lot size. Uh, as for the location, it is in Council District 7, apologize for the typo there, um, and in the Washington Park West neighborhood. Uh, this property is surrounded by USUB zone, uh, zone district as well as USUC to the east, OSA to the east, and UTUC to the east. Uh, its existing land use itself is single unit residential, which is the majority of the neighborhood, as well as a mix of two and multi-unit uh, properties. And of course, uh, open space park, as well as one commercial retail area. Um, here we can see the subject property on the top left. Um, and we can see the surrounding areas, a mix of one to two story residential areas, as well as some duplexes. Uh, moving forward with the process, uh, this was uh, received as informational notice in August. It was heard at planning board on October 4th and it was approved. And we heard at the City Council public hearing tonight in November or December. Um, and to date, there have been no public comments from uh, general public or RNOs. As for the review criteria, I will review each of the five criteria individually as prescribed by the Denver Zoning Code, starting with consistency with adopted plans. There are three applicable for the site, the two citywide plans, as well as West Washington Park neighborhood plan. Uh, as for comprehensive plan 2040, uh, two goals uh, are highlighted here. Under equity, create a greater mix of housing options in every neighborhood, as well as climate, promote info development, uh, where infrastructure and services already exist. Uh, moving forward to Blueprint Denver, this has been identified as urban, so that does not change, but allows multi-unit as well as one and two unit residential areas uh, with regular block patterns. 
Uh, as for future context, this has been identified as low residential, again, predominantly single and two unit uses and accessory dwelling units are appropriate. Uh, future street type, Emerson, Emerson itself is a residential collector and Downing is a residential arterial. And for uh, future growth strategy, it's identified as all other areas of the city with 10% of jobs and 20% of housing growth by 2040. And lastly, with Blueprint, uh, there's a call up from land use recommendations uh, for ADUs with diversity houses and choice through expansion of accessory dwelling units throughout all residential areas. Uh, lastly, the Washington, West Washington Park Neighborhood Plan does not call up ADUs in particular, uh, but does recommend uh, housing recommendations will, to include compatible setbacks, significant buffering, landscape and site plans for new moderate density residential developments to ensure compatibility with low density residential uses. Uh, moving forward with the remaining review criteria, this rezoning will uh, meet the required zone district building form use and design regulations. It will improve further, it will further public health, safety and welfare by implementing our adopted plans and provide an additional housing unit. As for justifying circumstances, in this case, it's a city adopted plan, all three, but in particular, um, Blueprint Denver. And it will meet consistency with neighborhood context, zone district purpose and intent by implementing the USB one zone district. Uh, so based on the information provided this evening, as well as the staff report, uh, CPD recommends approval uh, based on all finding of the review criteria have been met. Happy to answer any questions. The applicant should be available virtually. Thank you very much. Um, we don't have any individuals signed up to speak this evening. Um, so we'll move right into questions. Are there any questions of members of council on bill 1481? Okay, seeing none. The public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on 1481. We'll start with uh, Councilwoman Alvidrez. Thank you, Council President. Um, thank you for bringing this forward. I think that ADUs need to be done and definitely support this. Um, shouldn't be this long of a process. Thank you for going through it. Thank you, Council President. Thank you, Councilman Hines. Thank you, Council President. I'm looking forward to the day that we have ADUs legalized citywide and, uh, and we don't have to um, have you go through the brain drain of of this every time for us to say yes uh, by the way i'm a yes um the, the next thing i would say is i'm really looking forward to the day when we don't uh continue to leverage plans that were adopted more than 32 years ago mm. so thank you for digging up a plan from 1991 <laughs> <laughs> so uh thank you council president thank you very much um seeing no one else in queue madam secretary roll call on bill 1481 slayer Aye. Alvidas? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 12 ayes. 12 eyes, Council Bill 1481 has passed. Thank you, Will. Um, Councilman Cashman, will you please put Council Bill 1767 on the floor for final passage? Yes, Council President. I move the Council Bill 23-1767 
be placed upon final consideration and be passed. Thank you very much. And that has been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 1767 is open. Um, I believe we will have a brief staff report from somebody from the Office of the Clerk and Recorder. But no presentation, producer, so no need. President, my name is Ben Schler. I'm the Policy and Compliance Administrator for the Clerk and Recorder's Office, um, and I'll be brief. This bill is meant to fix some technical issues that we identified recently as we were preparing to move over to the 2027 election cycle that starts um, here in January of 2024. Um, the first one I'll start with, probably the largest, um, has to do with adjusting the um, general fund transfer um, under the Fair Elections Fund Act. Um, that act requires a, an annual general fund transfer to the Fair Elections Fund. And under that same provision, it requires that we, um, that we conduct a, an inflationary adjustment once within the election cycle um, in order to true that up with the consumer price index. Um, what we found when we were preparing for the first consumer price index adjustment, uh, the first one since the Fair Elections Fund was passed, we found that uh, essentially a technical issue within the language that would have required us to increase what is currently a $2.88 per voter general fund appropriation um, up to a $5 per voter general fund appropriation, which would amount to about a 74% increase over the general fund appropriations from the last cycle. This is something that the fund does not need, um, and it's something that we don't believe was intended um, under the Fair Election Fund. So what this bill would do is fix that issue. It would align it more closely with the actual consumer price index um, once we make that calculation and would fix that and would save um, over the course of the four-year election cycle would save about $4.4 million um, from general fund appropriations. So that's the, the first and kind of the main fix. The second has to do with an inflation adjustment for candidate uh, contribution, um, contribution limits. Um, the limits for non-fair election fund candidates, candidates who are, not, um, who are not part of the fair election fund under the current code, those contribution limits are to be adjusted as well in 2024, um, consistent with the consumer price index. But that inflationary adjustment is not currently in code for fair election fund candidates. So this bill would fix that. It would align the um, inflationary adjustment that is currently there for non-fair election fund candidates um, with fair election fund candidates, so everyone would, rec would receive an inflationary adjustment at the same time. The third piece, uh, also a fix, um, we were uh, before council in 2022 um, for Council Bill 1641, which was also a campaign finance cleanup bill. And during that, uh, with that bill, we were trying to make sure that all of our reporting uh, for candidates lined up um, so that candidates didn't have to make um, uh, reports that were off from other reports. Um, in particular, um, the, uh, the candidate reporting for the first two years of the election cycle, so dur during 2024 and 2025 for this upcoming election cycle, candidates um, under the old law would have to uh, report semi-annually. Um, under the current code, um, it appears that there was simply a, a mix up with drafts that were presented to council. Um, and council passed a law where currently there is no existing requirement for reporting order or a very confusing one at least. This bill would fix that. It would um, put it in line with the, our discussions with FinGov um, during that bill 
that would require semi-annual reporting for council members for the first year and the second year of the cycle. And then beginning with the third year, um, candidates would have to report on a quarterly basis. And then you move into the election year where you have to start reporting on a monthly basis. Those are the three main components of the bill. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions if there are any. Great, thank you, Ben. Uh, we have no individuals signed up to speak, so we'll go right into questions. Are there any questions for members of council on 1767? Councilman Watson. Thank you, Madam President. Quick question on the semi-annual um, reporting. Is that based on whether there are contributions or not, or is it just simply a static requirement that those will begin what you're saying 2024 and then expedite to quarterly starting 2025? They are a static requirement. You would basically be reporting on that half year basis, any contributions and expenditures that you'd made as a candidate. Um, and if you didn't have any expenditures or contributions, it would basically be a zero report. Okay. Thank you, Madam President. Great, thank you, Councilman Hines. Thank you, Council President. Um, the, uh, the calculation that you said for the, the reserve for the Fair Election Fund, um, had we, uh, if we don't address it, it'll go up 84%. Um, the, the amount appropriated annually would go up about 74%. Um, 74%. That's right. right. Um, th then you mentioned that the, uh, for the non-FEF candidate, that amount would go up. And so the, another fix is that the FEF candidate should go up by the same amount the non-FEF candidate should no. go up. Is that 74% as well? It is not. Um, there was not an issue with the adjustment for inflation for uh, non-FEF candidates. So under so the, the existing language and code for non-FEF candidates was fine. It just didn't exist for FEF candidates. So we just added that to the Fair Elections Fund. So basically we have mathematical formulas twice, one for the reserve and one for the additional uh, max allowance. That's correct. And, and basically the, the issue there was that um, the, the inflationary adjustment for candidate contributions um, was based on the consumer price index and then rounded up to the nearest $5. And that same language was grafted into the, uh, into the overall fund appropriation. So what we did was we changed that to rounded to the nearest one cent. Got it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Council President. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. We tried. <laughs> this was uh, John. Can I ask you a question? And uh, uh, we had an answer a while ago. I just want to reinforce it. I don't think it'll be an issue tonight, with the number of the votes. But this was a citizen passed council referral. It began as a citizen initiative that we then worked. I think Troy, you were part of the group at the time that worked to rewrite it. And, and put it on the ballot as a council referral. As such, does this require a supermajority? Uh, yes, Jonathan Griffin, Deputy Legislative Council, requires nine votes to pass. Two, I'm sorry? Nine votes, two nine thirds votes. vote. Of okay, even though it was a council referral, not a citizen. Correct, yes. All right, so it requires nine votes to pass this for the first 10 years. Thank you. Great, thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on 1767. I'll start and just thank the clerk's office for identifying um, this issue before the end of the year um, so that we could get it fixed um, and also identifying the other um, deadline piece that we missed. So thank you for that. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call please on Council Bill 1767. Sawyer? Aye. 
Alvitras? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gilmore? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Lewis? Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 12 ayes. 12 ayes. Council Bill 1767 has passed. Thank you for your patience tonight as well. On Tuesday, January 2nd, Council will hold a required public hearing on uh, Council Bill 1715, changing the zoning classification for 2040 North Ash Street in South Park Hill. Any protests against 1715 must be filed with the council offices no later than noon on Tuesday, December 26th. There being no further business before this body, this meeting's adjourned.